Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, Owen Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Calls, and I'm joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, how's it going this week? It's going okay. It's going okay. How's how's your spring break been? Oh man, have you gone I to just... the beach? Have you done some body shots? <laughs> have you what, what? Have you gotten a tattoo? No, I have not gotten a tattoo. Um, no, You're I doing have spring break all wrong. I have spent the last two days making a massive spreadsheet, a multi multiple sheet spreadsheet for all of my students with every recital performance they've had going back to 2011 um, and what piece they've played on each recital and when they joined the studio and how many lessons they've had each quarter of each year going back to 2011. Um, and then I will be uh, and, and creating a mail merge so that I can like have individualized like performance sheets that I give out to people at parent teacher conferences. Like this is how I've, this is how I'm spending my spring. I, it, it's going to feel wonderful once it's done. Because I will have this resource at my disposal and I can just be like, what does my spreadsheet say is the preferred method of contact for this person so that they'll actually get back to me. But um, as I understand it, that's not how normal people spend spring break. I can't do this anymore. I'm sorry. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) I found a new and creative way to scare you away from the podcast. (laughs) I'm walking away. I mean, I I thought it was going to be bad like next week when I was just like, sorry, Kate, I haven't watched any TV. I've been playing Persona 5 all week. And by the way, that's going to be my excuse for like the next month. Noted. That I haven't totally I've cool. just been I playing a video game that's a 100-hour JRPG. Uh-huh. So I'm just not going to have time to watch any TV for the next month. Months, maybe. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I shouldn't judge you for making a spreadsheet and a mail merge. Yeah. <laughs> well, I haven't quite figured out how to do it yet. I've been reading because I don't need an actual, I'm not mailing anything. I just want to make the personalized documents. So I'm going to figure it out. This is, again, this is what a nerd sounds like, listeners. Um, We did hear from one of our listeners a while back, um, a couple weeks ago, Carl, fabulous friend of the show, Carl. um, And I wanted to read his letter uh, because he brought up an interesting point. Um, and also just because we love hearing from listeners. Listeners, if you write us an email, we will read it unless you don't want us to. Kate will read it. I I will read it. Yes, that's true. That's true. Um, So Carl says, Kate and Noel, I never thought it would happen being such a huge TV fan, but my interest, even for the great stuff, is waning. I attribute it to one, so much TV. Can't even keep up with great stuff so I can listen to the TV podcast, and that stresses me out. I I feel you on that, Carl. Um, And two, almost every time I see a TV anywhere in public, there is something new and awful about our government on it. I feel like a puppy getting slapped with a newspaper on the nose it makes me want to avoid it altogether and avoid television altogether number three the cost of tv i spend so much between netflix amazon and direct tv the urge to cut the cord has never been stronger and number four for some reason all i want to watch is bob's burgers and i've seen them all five times maybe teddy will get a spinoff and save me i want a mort spinoff uh he says i miss listening to the televerse movie i will come back and just listen to tv discussion to skip seeing the source material that's from my book on poetry carl who of course listens to pretty much all the tv podcasts that i listen to um and so it, that's that's part of his like listening you know realm is, is all this tv stuff so yeah if tv's getting you down that's also gonna then if you're carl or you know me that that's gonna impact you know, a lot of your podcast listening too uh what do you what, what are your thoughts on all of this noel 
I feel I feel it. I feel it. Um, mm -hmm. In part because I've also been kind of like hitting sort of the end of the season wall of television where I'm very aggressively just like, I don't I don't really care about a lot of what I'm watching right now in a lot of ways. And I, I know, again, some of that is just it's the end of the season and I'm fatigued. Mm -hmm. uh, but also some of it is just there's just so much and we talk about so much and I enjoy talking about it. But while I'm watching it, I'm just sort of like, oh, this is so much. And some of it's really depressing. Mm -hmm. And some of it's also, like, really, really depressing. Like, I watched 12 episodes of 13 Reasons Why, Kate. <laughs> and more on that later in the show. More on that later. But it's it's part of the reason why I didn't get to, like, American Crime this week. Because I was just like, I, I can't. I just can't right now. So that's part of where I am at. I'm not at a cord cutting level, uh, in part because cord cutting is just going to cost you as much as a cable subscription in the long run um, between all the other services. So don't cut your cord, Carl. Well, um, unless you're going to stop watching. Right. If you're going to stop watching, then absolutely cut your cord. But yeah, because otherwise, I mean, you're just paying for Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, and then whatever other service plus episodes, shows on a per episode basis that you're going to keep up with if you're going to do that. And it just gets more, it just, it ends up being just as expensive sometimes. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, no, I, I really relate to a lot of what you're saying, especially that idea of having a visceral association with TV and like stress and TV because yeah. of the political situation and um, the, how draining it can be to try to, to feel like you want to stay apprised, but then either your options are watch channels that are will keep you apprised that will stress you out and in alert a panic attack mode or watch channels that will stress you out because they're treating like the fundamental breakdown of elements of our government as like it's not a big deal at all um so there's not really an unstressful way to be watching news um yeah. and tv so like i totally hear that uh carl um and absolutely what you're saying too noel of there being a lot of the TV that we're watching that is the best for us, our favorite TV, the best TV that's on right now, is very dramatic, is very uh, dark and gritty and um, hopeless. And so for me, that's why like the first things I end up watching most Is Murder, week... She Baked. No. Oh, <laughs> God, no. Again, more on that later. But is like the superhero stuff in elementary. Like, there's a reason that I have not lagged behind on Legends of Tomorrow and Supergirl and even The Flash and Arrow, which are less in the cheery, sunny, hopeful realm as the other two. But like, there's a reason that those and, you know, Carl mentions Bob Burgers. Bob's Burgers like was my lifeline in November yeah. and December. Absolutely, one hundred percent. I think what we need to do for Carl here, because we're gonna we're gonna let him know we're talking about this at the top of the podcast. So hopefully you're listening, Carl. Noel, what is another show in the vein of of a Bob's Burgers that he can like? What's a what's a safe space? What's a happy place for Carl? <laughs> well, I mean, since you still have Netflix, um, Carl, just cheers, man. There's eleven seasons of it. Oh, it's true. And it's all good. It's mm -hmm. all good. I mean, it's not all, all good. But on the whole, it's mm -hmm. all really good. And that's basically like the go-to is like, and you've got 11 seasons. So it's going to take you a while to get to the five, five times yeah. uh, metrics there. That's like a solid month. Mm -hmm. um, but that's typically like, I've been just booting up episodes randomly. And I watched the end of season uh, I want to say season three when Kate Mulgrew shows up for a three episode arc as the councilwoman who um, uh, basically just starts dating Sam and 
She's fantastic. She's so good. She's so good. And looking and, fabulous, might I add. Oh, God. Her hair in those three episodes? Yeah. Kate Mulgrew's never had bad hair. <laughs> um. So, no, Cheers, Carl. Just start watching Cheers again. If you have, just watch Cheers. Always watch Cheers. <laughs> Always be watching Cheers. <laughs> ABC. W. Very good. Very good. <laughs> w somewhere in the middle there. That's yeah. very good. Well, because, uh, you know, what I would also say, like, if I um. My brother-in-law and sister have been discovering Always Sunny in Philadelphia for the first time, mm-hmm. and they, they had never seen it before. I think they've mainlined about seven or eight seasons in a month. Um, those are shorter seasons, but again, there's 12 seasons of it. Um, yeah. People being terrible, yes, but then terrible things happen to them, so yeah, it's really funny if, if that's your type of humor. If, if you're going to yeah. like, watch the first episode, if you don't laugh, it's not a show for you. If you do, you're going to laugh a lot, and you're going to laugh a lot for 12 seasons um so but yeah find a comedy if there's a comedy that you've been hearing about for a while that's like lower down on your list for some reason maybe try bumping it up and because because yeah i'm just scanning down our list of shows we've got a lot of shows we're going to talk about today and most of the more notable ones we're talking about that for for you know that that we that we are talking about for positive reasons are going to be depressing um yeah i can't i'm trying to say like People getting killed, uh, mm-hmm. like horrible injustice happening. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of any, like even like Samurai Jack. He's abandoned and alone and stuck. You know, like uh, yeah. <laughs> review <laughs> like every single comedy mm-hmm. that we're talking about uh, this this week um, has some problematic or frustrating or depressing element to it. Um, and then there's Grace and Frankie. Right. No, Grace and Frankie's pretty affirming for the most part. Yeah. Um, yeah. But also, like, also, Carl, Golden Girls is on Hulu now. <gasps> Golden Girls isn't... Oh, that's a really good call. That's a good See? call. That's that's really all you need right there is Golden Girls. Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. that's that's it. Like, yeah. just just start swapping back and forth between Cheers, Golden Girls, and, and um, Always Sunny. Just yeah. swap back and forth. And just, like, and... sit down with the kids, get a slice of cheesecake, and go to town. Yes. Yes, even yeah. though you know, um, maybe maybe not let maybe not let the kids watch Golden Girls because those women are those women are kind of raunchy. <laughs> they're salty. <laughs> they're salty. Yeah, yeah they're they salty. have they, they have opinions and they've they've lived <laughs> lives. Um, but I yeah I, I absolutely like the the TV is expensive. You're trying like obviously we've been talking about the Good Fight, but there was another several dollars a month fee and uh, like it, all these different things as we approach every network having their own paid streaming channel instead of and then basically taking their their best air quotes or their content that they feel like they're the likeliest to get people to pay for and putting it all up there we're just moving further and further away from the idea of poor people people who don't have extra money sitting around being able to watch the most interesting and creative and uh powerful tv in our country for more on that Look at budget pro- proposals for uh, the next coming years and what's going to happen to PBS. Anyways, that's taking us to a depressing dark place. So I'm going to move us forward and say at the end of the podcast this week, we're going to have some fun um, with that 30 days poll that's been going around Twitter. Now, Noel, for our listeners who aren't on Twitter, what is this? Right. So a couple of weeks ago or like almost a month ago, I think at this point, uh, this list of 30 items uh, started circulating on Twitter and people would answer it once a day for like Mm -hmm. the course of a month. 
Uh, we're not going to do that, though. We're going to do it all at once. Um, I suggested doing one a week, and Kate just looked at me like I was crazy. Um, even though that would have taken care of our end of segment for the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah, but the, no, come on, come on. That would you drive me crazy because I would just then obsess about my answers because then it would it would carry so much more import for me than if I just like if we if we just go through it and and like we we're limited to thirty seconds for our answer like that mm-hmm. I feel like it's gonna. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if my or lightning rounded and it'll be of our lightning. Ra- yeah. See if my goal of a lightning round for that actually <laughs> happens. Y'all listeners, you know, already because you can see the timestamps. Um, we don't know yet. So we'll see how that goes. But that's coming at the end of the podcast. That should be a lot of fun. Um, neither of us have looked at the list uh, in any meaningful way or done any planning. So it's going to be very nope. uh, instinctive, instinctual our responses. Uh, I look forward to that. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but we also have a very full week in TV. We've got several finales, premieres, lots of TV to talk about. So uh, what say you? Shall we get to it? We should. Shall. Shall. Let's. Shall. Let's. <laughs> Sha- chalets? You, you, sure. 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 Yeah. <laughs> now we'll uh, take a break, listen to a little bit of music from Girls, and come back with our week in comedy. She'll do all she can for the love of one man and the millions who love from afar. I'm what you've been needing. It's all here in my heart's pleading. Let me be your That was Andrew Rannells singing Let Me Be Your Star from Smash. That's right. We had a callback to Smash on, on our TV this week. There's a lot of callbacks to Smash this week. There's, it's been a <laughs> bit of a thing. Yeah. There, yeah. That show's more zeitgeisty than, uh, or more fondly remembered than I think either of us anticipated. Um, anyway. Yeah, certainly me. <laughs> <laughs> um, this week in comedy, I'm going to kick things off a little bit by talking about the finale, series finale of review, Cryogenics Lightning Last Review. Um, then Noel's going to wrap up uh, his thoughts on Grace and Frankie season three um, and also talk about the pilot for Imaginary Mary, the new show on ABC. Then I'll catch up with and talk about uh, girls, how, where the seasons, how the season's been going so far, but specifically this week's episode, The Bounce. We'll continue both with Bob's Burgers, Aquaticism, and Ain't Miss Debatin'. Blackish, Richard Youngsta, The Detour, The Heat, and we'll finish our week in comedy, though there was some discussion as to where <laughs> this show belonged. But Murder She Baked had Just Desserts, which is the latest entry in that series of movies. Uh, I watched a chocolate chip mystery, uh, the first one. You watched the entire series of movies. That's coming at the end of our week in comedy. But first up, review had its series finale, and it was gloriously painfully brutally dark all the way to the end utterly depressing uh he loses everything which was such the right move to make like you think that they're going to to have him have some level of self-awareness realization and end the note on like a slightly optimistic of he's still seriously messed up but he's for once made a not self-destructive choice um, and then, of course, that would be betraying the show. So they go a different way. And the way that the, the, the last review is being pranked, the way that that <laughs> the show winds out in their last episode is it's just terrific. And, and I, I was curious as to why they're bringing the show back 
for a third season if it was just going to have three episodes. Like, why... Like, the way that it ended in the first and the second season, they could have just... And they're dead. No one ever heard from them again. They were lost to the wilderness or whatever. Um, why bring it back if you only are going to do three episodes and they're going to be very straightforward? Um, but I think having the last episode of the series really center on on, on Andrew Daly's performance and on Forrest McNeil's choices rather than some sort of break or some sort of like mystery. It's like, no, they wanted to underline that he is in a hell of his own making and there's nothing that, that, that could be done. He, this is not a, an unfortunate thing that happened to Forrest. This is what Forrest kept choosing again and again and again. Um, so I thought it was really funny, um, brutal and yeah, certainly not for a lot of people. <laughs> We're talking about happy uplifting shows. No review is not one of them, but it it has consistently been really, really funny. And it's been a pleasure to watch. It's been a pleasure to read front of the show. Um, uh, Emily Stevens reviews over at the AV club about the show. And I, I mean, I don't know that Andy Daly will ever get a product, uh, uh, like a project as perfectly suited for him as this series was, um, I hope he does. I hope I hope the whole cast gets plenty of more things to do. Um, but, you know, even though, like, nobody was watching, it got very low ratings. I'm so glad that we got this show, this very strange show, for three seasons on Comedy Central. And, yeah, I don't, like, the way that they ended it worked really, like, they could have kept going for quite a while, but it would have just lost its punch. So, yeah better to end it really well and and to end it with a lot of purpose and i think that's what they did here with cryogenics lightning <laughs> last review um yeah do you think you'll ever go back to review for or is it just just not your comedy styling it was just not my comedy styling yeah so it's really doubtful that i'll ever yeah. circle back to it well and that's it's a strong flavor so that's completely yeah. understood you know I, I totally get that um hopefully other people enjoyed the the review finale um i know that i did but yeah what is what a strange fun show and i'm glad that shows like review and and nathan for you and these just very distinct very niche shows um they neither one of these survived very long but i'm glad that we got them when we did um so thank you to comedy central thank you to the lovely people who made review happen that is such <laughs> such a distinct and very much its own thing kind of show so i really enjoyed it uh how did you feel about the end of season three of grace and frankie you were really uh digging uh digging what we checked in last week did the end of the season live up to the beginning of the season the season on a whole is just really kind of a shaggy season and i don't mean that in like a detrimental way in any in a derogatory way i should say uh in any way but it very much feels very transitiony in a lot of ways in that they're setting up a bunch of stuff that they want to pay off in season four oh. and so right and they don't i don't think they haven't that they've been renewed for a season four yet but there's still a lot of really good stuff as grace and frankie navigate their friendship uh, especially now as like business partners and what that means and how involved, especially like how much you can really rely on Frankie as a business person, which is to say maybe not a whole lot. <laughs> and because, you know, she's free spirited and stoned half the time, but then they find like lots of good dramatic stuff to do within the context of the relationship, including a large blowout over a gun that goes off and hits, um, 
a mannequin that looks way too much like Frankie. Uh, but also, like, Frankie has, like, a minor neuro- neurological incident, is how it's described. And just all of this stuff starts to play out in terms of what happens when you get older, what what friendships and relationships do you really, really value. And while that's always been at the core of the show, it feels much more prevalent in this particular uh, season as they launch their business and they decide what's really important to them, As especially Frankie, as she has to deal with Ernie Hudson's character, Jacob, who's much more present this season, which I was really happy about because Ernie Hudson's fantastic on this show. And just how all of that stuff clicks, like family relationships, all of it. So it's really, it's still really good. It's still very, very funny in a lot of places. Um, Brooklyn Decker has more to do this season than she's had to do in the previous two seasons combined, in part because she's not pregnant for once, which is really nice. And her character is at least not pregnant. I think she's only been pregnant once in actual like reality. But all of that plays out. And so everyone gets storylines, but some of them just don't go really anywhere. Because, again, they're feeling set up for a fourth season that hasn't been granted yet. So hopefully, fingers crossed, we get a fourth season and some of this stuff gets paid off in a lot of ways. But still really good, still makes me laugh a whole lot. The cast is just crackerjack. And you can't get enough of everyone being just really, really great. So I was happy with it. It's just, it felt more like a part one of a season than a full season unto itself. How do you feel about shows doing that? Especially, like, I feel like maybe with Netflix, it's a slightly different situation. I would be very surprised if it didn't get renewed. Mm-hmm. But, you know, even in, in a network that's much more friendly, like if, in an FX or an FXX, that kind of a thing. How do you feel about shows feeling confident to do a lot of setup and not a lot of payoff in the course of an entire season. Oh, I think it's kind of a weird thing. Like, I think I can get out behind it with dramas a bit more than I can with comedies in a lot of mm-hmm. ways, just because I feel like comedies just generally for me are more self-contained. And so this sort of like long play of certain elements like Bud and his uh, hype maintenance girlfriend that no one really likes though, I was really attracted to, and I think that says a lot about me more than anything. <laughs> but how all of this plays out or the um, how um, Saul and Robert are starting to like figure out what their lives really are now that they're out of um, Robert's old house. And all of this stuff gets is getting slowed played. And I feel like it's sort of weird because it's a self-contained season. And I think structurally, if it wasn't that, I'd be okay. Uh, like my my go to example for countering this is something like um, the ranch, which is its first season is divided into halves, and but each half feels very contained in and of itself, structurally speaking. And I think that that's kind of the way to do it. But doing it like this with a lot of setup or a lot of things that are going to play it off down the line, I think speaks again to a confidence in their model and specifically Netflix's model. But I don't necessarily know that it works. It just makes everything, again, like I said, at the very top of this feel kind of shaggy. But when you have a cast like this and when you have really solid writing, you don't mind as much. I feel like if it had been kind of a flatter season, like season one, then I would have minded a lot more. Mm-hmm. No, I feel like, especially because they've shown you that they can deliver in the previous mm-hmm. seasons, you know, so right. trying There's... something new. Right, there's so much like payoff in that second season of stuff that comes to a head right at the end of the season that not having a lot of stuff come to a head this season feels a little weird. Okay, interesting. Well, what did you think of Imaginary Mary, which is a a mid-season 
show we have here for ABC. Is this a continuation of ABC's, you know, really terrific track record or maybe a bit of a, you know, blurb? blip in their in their record it's a blip um it's it's a big blip um <laughs> is that and, a bit kind yeah and, well i don't think it's bad i just think it's not it's got a lot it, the entire concept of a woman in her 30s or late 30s early 40s it's not really defined mm-hmm. um but suddenly having her imaginary friend from well late teenagehood because the imaginary friend disappears when she's 18 um come back as she's about to like really take a big step with this guy she's been seeing for three months and basically meeting his kids and all of her insecurities and everything comes rushing back and her imaginary friend who is voiced by Rachel Dratch and gives horrible advice uh comes back to like kind of steer her in bad directions but also try to help her cope at the same time and there's something really interesting about that as a concept that doesn't really come across within the pilot, I think. And based on the reviews, doesn't come across in the second episode either. And so the fact that it's only tied to family life and dating and very specifically kids um, is kind of explained in the pilot, but it doesn't feel totally justified, I think, in that she appears way too quickly. Mary appearing mm-hmm. way too quickly, as opposed to maybe... It really felt like it should have been something that happened at the end of the episode. And then, like, that sparks something else that she realizes upon meeting these kids that she can't handle this as opposed to immediately assuming she can't handle it. Except for the fact that the episode ends with her kind of being comfortable-ish with things. It's of, very weird. Of course it does. Because it has right, to of course it's it an does. ABC comedy, yeah. Exactly. So it's just, it's very weird. Um, and not in like a very positive way. Um, so Dratch's vocal performance really carries a lot of this. And Jenna Elfman's good despite having to act against literally nothing. Um, but there's still just not a lot of, there's not a lot of there there in the pilot. So yeah, not worth checking back for. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, um, yeah I, I certainly wasn't feeling super compelled. I kept like almost clicking and clicking and then thinking of other things that I should catch up with sure. instead, um, yeah. including girls. So yeah. I watched the seven seasons of the season of girls. <laughs> <laughs> I kept going like, well, should I watch the marriage? I just still keep catching up with girls. Um, and apparently all it takes to get me to do that is telling me that Andrew Reynolds sings and does like an audition sequence uh, in an episode of Girls, uh, and I want to watch that. I always sure. want to watch Andrew Reynolds sing. Broadway's Andrew Reynolds sing, um, it, hence the you know music leading into the segment. Um, this season of Girls has been terrific, as everyone has said, as all of the critics who have been you know reviewing it have been very positive on the season. This is the final season of the show. There's only a handful of episodes left, and um, it's it's it just really was striking me as I was thinking about girls um this is its sixth season I think it's important to remember remember when the show first came out and Lena Dunham was what like 23 and getting if, yeah. her, her own show on 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 HBO that uh, yes she had producing partners and such but she's it's amazing what she's made Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, yes, there are issues with the show, as with any show, but the the thoughtfulness to the characters throughout the series run, taking them to where they are now, the like where the show finds itself at in this season feels very deliberate and uh, is handled with a lot of 
a lot of care and a lot of maturity. And so when I think back to myself at 23, now I was not the crazy part. This is the person who does spreadsheets for fun on spring break that you're talking to. But that that level of maturity and of willingness to just commit to a set of characters, which is, I think, the biggest thing that, that Dunham did, a, a voice and a set of characters with this show. Um, and to hear, get all this feedback from everywhere and yet stay true to that, you know, six seasons down the line, have the characters feel like they have gone through some stuff, learned some lessons, forgotten those same lessons. I do think she's done a really terrific thing with this show. And um, Marnie continues to be the worst, as we all knew, as we all, as Marnie will always be the worst. But um, again, the, the craft of the show is what I kept coming back to this season and the willingness to just go off and spend an episode with this character and spend an episode with that character. They, they've had some terrific guest stars this season. Um, the the direction... I, I'm, I'm avoiding spoilers for you. I don't know if you care. I don't. You're oh, okay, fine. so, so uh, Hannah is pregnant and going to have the kid and um, Adam is making a film produced by Jessa, Jessa about his relationship with Hannah a short film and that's bringing that up um, for him. And Ray is dealing with his, his relationship with um, Marnie and also just with life and his level of engagement. Um, just the way that they're handling these characters feels so, so right for where, what they've been through, where, where they are in their lives, like their ages. And, and this is, does seem like the right time to end it as well. So the characters are now like 28, 29. Um, I, before we started recording the segment, I had you look up a picture of Andrew Reynolds because he's 38. <laughs> he's 38 and he like he's playing 28, 25, 23, don't ask. Um, it is, is, comes up this week in his audition. And the, the man has not aged. No, he hasn't. It's like insane. There's a portrait somewhere and he's drinking somebody's blood. But whatever you're doing, man, it's working for you. Um, But these characters do feel that the correct age. They feel like they're coming through to a different part of their lives or getting ready, like approaching it, whether they want to or not. And I think the just it just really struck me watching back to back to back and catching up with the show and thinking about its upcoming finale that this is a really significant show for HBO and for, the, I think, this time period of television. And and it's nice to see it going out so confidently and so distinct in its voice, maintaining that all the way through its run. So uh, tip of the hat to girls and a fun episode. Just, I will always enjoy an audition episode, right? <laughs> Bunheads. I mean, that's one of my favorite oh, things about gosh. La La Land, that whole sequence. Right. Like I, I I love an audition sequence, so uh, it was it was, it was, a, it was a particularly fun episode this week. Um, also, particularly fun episodes this week. Bob's Burgers. They had two Aquaticism and eight Mister Baden. We haven't talked about Bob's a lot this season, this year, but yeah. I feel like, or certainly this calendar year. Um, but I feel like it's. I also feel like it hasn't been on a lot this calendar year. In our defense, there is that. <laughs> but I do feel like it's been very reliably very strong, but not. We got to talk about it, kind of TV. Right. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. it was nice to, to have two – we were like, we're going to talk about this. we got to talk about this. These were two really strong episodes, very Tina-centric, which always helps. Yes. Um, but I still didn't feel like there was a particular, like, I have to rush out and make sure everybody sees it kind of 
moments, you know? Right, right. And there aren't any of those in either of these episodes, even if I enjoyed both of them for their own weirdness of developing a religion around a failing, very sad aquarium. (laughs) Or debate being a thing as someone who did debate in high school and just, even if it's not an accurate representation of forensic policy debate, doesn't matter because <laughs> a lot of that is still very real anyway. But also, Meat Man. I, can we just talk about the brilliance of Meat Man? <laughs> and how the big thing that I loved about Meat Man, apart from just the insanity of Meat Man, was the fact that it was a family subplot as mm-hmm. opposed to a Linda and Bob subplot. Because the shows become really like segregated and the kids have a plot and then Bob and Linda have a plot. And then this for that episode, it was... Tina has a plot, and then everyone else is busy with Meat Man. And I really liked that, because it allowed like that really fresh dynamic to play out in a very different kind of way, as everyone's doing this as a group, but they're not doing it as a group because Mr. Fish Odor swung by and needed them to do something as a group. It was, oh, yeah, we're all into this, and maybe we shouldn't have loaded him with a bunch of firecrackers, because that was a mistake. <laughs> but it was really funny, and I just I really enjoy both of these episodes, and I, I, I just love the payoff of the aquaticism episode of I'm going to get in the tank <laughs> and just the jellyfish and then how everything came t- like together at the end there anyway. And I just, it's such a sweet show, Kate. And it makes me very happy. Yes, And that's why Carl has watched it five times. <laughs> <laughs> and that is not something to be undervalued or underappreciated. That mm-hmm. is a huge part of why we consume art and why we yeah. share stories is for that exact thing. And like we were saying in the, the opening segment in our, our discussion, there aren't a lot of shows like that right now, at least well, not ones that we know about that, that yeah. are consistently really good. So, um, yeah, that's something absolutely to be praised and to be uh, to sought out. You know, something that we I think if other people have shows that are like Bob's Burgers for you, that that just hit your happy place and just just really make you feel more cheerful and positive on life when you finish them than when you started let us know so we can be watching them too <laughs> it would be helpful yeah. um yeah because i it's, again like we said a lot of the comedies we watch tend to uh have darker elements or tend to have heavy like Messages. messaging and right. looks at um parts of our culture that maybe are a bit of a problem and that takes us right to our next show. It's a good segue, yeah. (laughs) Into Blackish and Richard Youngsta. Um, So I really liked this episode, except for one thing. Noel, can you guess what that one thing is? Uh, Was it uh, Bo being a bad parent again? No. No, it wasn't that? Wasn't that. um, Was it a distinct lack of um, Dion Cole? No, No, it wasn't even that. It wasn't even that? Uh, Was it... Oh, was it the Chris Brown of it all? Why do you <laughs> cast Chris Brown in anything, let alone Blackish, let alone an episode where you're specifically talking about the messaging of casting in, in media? Are you kidding me with this? Yeah, it's a weird, weird choice for a show that is aggressively aware of its zeitgeist. And then it's just like, oh, well... We're going to talk about black artists and the impact that they can have on a society. You know what we should do? We should have Chris Brown in this episode. Yeah. No. Yeah. 
I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting a little hot under the collar over here. I think, uh, let's, okay, let's separate out the Chris Brown casting and talk about the rest of the episode. How'd you feel about this episode, you know, taken out of that, without that context on top? Without that context on top, I still feel like this episode's a little weird. Okay. Because I have a real problem thinking that Dre isn't aware of his role as an artist or as an advertising and the impact that he can have on the community. As someone who talks to us about how he views blackness and how that circulates in culture, the fact that he isn't aware of that and specifically tied to the fact that he even talks about how that's his thing at his job is I just go, this is, this is kind of weird and it's odd that you don't recognize that you were doing this Mm -hmm. and that it takes Bo and Ruby to do this is the other thing is like Bo doing it. Yes. Ruby doing it. I just went, wow, Trey, you've stepped over a huge line of Ruby's like (laughs) son, you need to take a step back and we're going to invite the crazy white lady neighbor over yeah. To show you when Bo <laughs> what and you Ruby did are on the same page. <laughs> exactly. About Dre. Yeah. 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 So it's sort of the thing where because Pop isn't here to like balance it, because I assume Lawrence Fishburne was still busy fil- filming uh, Mandiba still. Um, that and that's why he's not here. <laughs> uh, th- th- that's why like there's it's it's just aggressively weird that Bo and Ruby are on the same page about something and Dre as a guy who's very aware of where he sits and the position he occupies just goes oh I didn't think about that until I saw my own son doing it and I feel like they made Dre dumb to give the episode an arc mm-hmm. which was again another weird choice on just separate from the Chris Brown of it all yeah how did I- you feel about that I liked the episode. I thought it was, uh, I thought it worked, but mm-hmm. as soon as you're bringing this stuff up, you're, you're right. I oh, mean, I've shattered glass for you. I'm so no, sorry. No, I mean, it's it, the, I, I think, I think the message, the point they're getting across for me, I'm okay with the fudging of the character to mm-hmm. talk about an, an, sure. an issue, which is a thing that the show does all the time. We've talked yeah. about how Zoe is not so much a character as a device to allow them to have conversations. Yeah. Um, it, which is our question mark about if they do a, a spinoff with her, but, um, or centered around her. But the, um, the biggest thing for me was the biggest leap you have to take is him not having, uh, not, not realizing they put the, uvo on the black lady and now she's white like that's a real like that's a really significant right and something dre would be aware of i feel like yeah we given the other stuff we've seen from him yeah absolutely like like if they wanted to go into a whole thing about like like colorism and yes darker skin lighter skin like that could have been a more subtle way to do it but I, i they weren't going for subtle with this no at all. Um, and I do think that a little bit into the defense of the writing for Dre, I think that it's so it, this kind of points to how insidious elements of pop culture and advertising are. where We start perpetuating stuff that we if we thought about it for a second. We don't approve of or don't agree with. But if you haven't reflect, taken a, a moment to step back and reflect, why? Wait, why am I laughing? Why am I doing this? What, what is this actually saying? You can, you know, find yourself 
laughing along with something that's really, really not okay with you. But this is his job. It's what he does every day. Right. And if I can offer a counterpoint to that, we just had an episode with the Box family. Yeah. That dealt kind of with this. Mm -hmm. And I just go, but I understand sitcoms. It's largely out of order. It's fine. Whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm willing to roll with that. But for us, it's not out of order. For us, this came like two, three weeks after that episode. Yeah. Of the color issue, the family issue, the representation issue, all of that. And so to have that just kind of undercut here, I just kind of go, oh, okay, I I get where we're going for, but you made Dre look really weirdly not in touch how he typically is. Yeah. I will say that I really appreciate the ending of the episode, not presenting as a false choice between problematic and good and not problematic and not good. I like that they, that they love the pitch and it still worked. It's, it's not this idea of you have to um, sell out your, your beliefs in order to, if the pitch is really yeah. good, then that's what you have to do. I like that they don't reinforce it the way that so often in media we see that reinforced. Um, so, so that was, that was a nice little, you know, kind of tweak to, certainly to my expectations. I didn't expect that pitch to go as well as they have it go off screen. Um, and, was that? Oh, I also, of course, always like when Blackish gives a little history lesson. So, so the one we got here uh, with uh, Step and Fetch It, or you know, the actual actor Lincoln Theodore Monroe Andrew Perry, which is very different than his stage name of Step and Fetch It. That was that was I really appreciated that, and um, we we love when they do the animated sequences. But it's nice to to have them again to take a different approach i like that they don't always go to the same well with that um so so that was that was neat as well it's but yeah i don't disagree that they sold dre out to do it i guess it just doesn't bother me as much as i think it does you (laughs) i like dre as a very self-aware principled person who occasionally gets hoisted by his own petard but this isn't him getting hoisted by his own petard of like being obstinate or Mm -hmm. overly dedicated to his ethics this is just him being oblivious which is weird for that character on this topic, I agree. I don't think yeah. him being oblivious is out of character at all. Well, yeah, <laughs> but, but for something like yeah. this, I think he's oddly oblivious. But you know what's in that microwave, Kate? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was a that was a fun subplot. Um, yeah, I, I yeah I, I I don't buy Bo being that lack. I mean, I she's she can be pretty wishy washy in her parenting. Yeah. So I, th- I thought that worked, but um, yeah, that I just I will enjoy Bo and, and Ruby sparring over pretty much any topic. So sure, sure, me too. Remember when they had money issues that they were worried about? No. Yeah, that was a thing. And now they're all individually ordering takeout. So I guess yep. that's no longer a thing. Uh, anyways, let's let's move on to our next show, and that is the detour, the heat. We wanted to just check into this because they ha- we had some updates to our overall mythology for the season yeah i don't care yeah i don't either but it was just a it was weird how much time we spent on this yeah and so far as and with the agents of the united states postal inspection service Mm -hmm. and i don't even know why exactly they're on the hook with them yeah. Do you know know why? No, well, it's gonna be about catching the big tuna, which is gonna be her dad. I really right. think. Okay. We were theorizing at the beginning of the season. Right. Um, yeah, listeners, you will note that we didn't lead into this segment with B Frank. 
because <laughs> it it wasn't that funny. I mean, like they it, committed so much time to that too. They did, and I loved, I loved Laura Benanti loving it. You know, yeah. and it not being great. That was that I thought was terrific and super fun. I don't need the white people complaining about the diversity in Hamilton. It's almost distracting, isn't it? Yeah, I don't think, like, you don't get to do that joke, I don't think. I don't know. How did you feel about that? Yeah, no, the entire the entire sequence is really weird. Um, I kind of like the lampooning of Hamilton because mm-hmm. it means that we've, we've hit that point where we can do that. I feel like but... we hit that point, like, quite a while ago. Yeah, well, Kimmy Schmidt got there really quietly, quickly. Uh, with yeah, I, I just I, I don't rap well, and I can't walk around in circles. <laughs> <laughs> but um, right, but their responses to it, I don't think work really well, and the it just it didn't land anywhere for me, and it was a weird, it was a it was kind of a weird misstep, yeah. and but the entire episode is just kind of a weird filling in of a gap that. I really, I I liked it as a framing device, but I didn't necessarily need it explained the entire episode, I think, yeah. is what I landed on after this episode finished. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I absolutely agree. The, the other stuff we got wasn't funny enough to me. Yeah. Um, but but again, Laura Benanti being super into Be Frank, Be Frank. Being, be, super, in, be, being super into everything. Yeah. Uh, well, that, that was a lot of fun. And the show itself not being funny or not being good, just being very weird. Yeah, super down for that. I can take a Hamilton joke. I just don't need the super white people on the super white show talking about, you know, how we should just not have diversity in right. any of our Broadway musicals when that's like on the whole deal. Um, so and, and, and again, for I know I can get defensive on things that are political that align with my beliefs. I try to work on that. Um, my issue is always when the show agree, when it's making it clear that the show shares that belief that you're supposed to think that they are right not that that is their opinion and that there are different opinions you can have but that they are absolutely right and that's i don't know do you ever have trouble with that i didn't necessarily see it as they're right i just saw it as another extension of these guys just being kind of terrible but at the same time they do sort of are quick to correct that when it's in public so it becomes like this performative white liberal thing of, oh, well, we're in private in a Broadway play. But if our kids are going, hey, man, the white guy says when you walk mm-hmm. and them quickly correcting that and that kind of a thing, it becomes this weird sort of where do we follow this line? And it gets to your question of are they is the show agreeing with them? And I don't know the answer to that in this instance. But, no, I have that issue a lot. It it also doesn't help that Jason Jones um, has a history of, of 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 being against desegregating <laughs> schools in his area, so yeah. uh, that doesn't help. Uh, but again, art artist and all of that. Um, yeah, that's a conversation for another time. We have cooking and baking to talk about, sir. So <laughs> I watched Murder She Baked. I want to hear all about this mystery, and it is terrible <laughs> it is so bad how did you watch like how many of these did you watch i and watched I, like, all five of them i like i had to stop after like an hour they're only was, 90 was, minutes kate <laughs> it was too it was too late i was like i cannot stay up an extra half an hour to finish this in good conscience because i'm already tired and if i make myself sick 
over the last 30 minutes of murder she baked. I don't deserve to be healthy. So I came back and finished it like four days later. I dragged my feet as long as I could. But it's so bad. How? How fine? Sorry. Uh, okay. First of all, let's let's put some context in this and that even for this, you didn't have to do a whole lot. Like I paid ten dollars for that first one. Yes, you did. <laughs> and I'm so sorry that, that yeah, our no. conversation at Clexicon prompted you to do that. Yeah, no. Uh so yeah, I I watched all five. I'll rank them at the end of this discussion because I have a ranking for each of them. <laughs> Please tell me that the first one is the worst. Um, no, the worst is, yeah, no, the worst is, let's see, is like Deadly Recipe, which is the second to the most recent one, is aggressively not interesting. Uh, But then Chocolate Chip Mystery, I would put right there, like right above it. Um, So, no, I watched all five of these, and I, I don't think they're terrible in any way, shape, or form. I just, they're just kind of mind numbingly entertaining to me. And that I can just kind of zone out, zone back in, zone out, zone back in. I just feel, ended up feeling really bad for Norman. And because that just could, Kate, that love triangle basically got strung out until this, this installment. Don't, no, no. His name is Norman. He's obviously a creeper. Uh, and or he's he's the guy who's there so that you can actually like, you know, like the safe choice to the dangerous or or like tricky or I just don't like him. Like they're trying. And she doesn't even not like him. <sighs> Kingston, she kind of likes him immediately. And, she likes him. Right. Because here's the thing. And everyone and I even told you this is just like everyone in this Eden Cove or I think it's Eden Lake. It's Eden Lake. Eden Lake, yep. Is so aggressively nice. All of them. Even the hot shark city detective from Minneapolis. From Minneapolis is mm-hmm. really nice. And that's the thing, is everyone's really nice, Kate. And that's, I think, where it goes to is that everyone's really nice. See, but the trouble is that nobody's a character. And here's why. Because the main character's best friend since childhood gets murdered and she doesn't care. And she spends the entire then, she's like investigating. She's at the funeral of her childhood longtime friend. And she doesn't, she's not like moved. And if they had better writing. Right. There's or no sense of denial or anything about it. A much better actor, because I think Alison Sweeney is just fine in the role. Yeah. But she can't elevate this script. Like, no. you need, like, Seer, you, you need to, like, fly Mass Nicholson in or something to elevate this. Oh, like, my God. Now I want to watch Murder He Baked. Right? Except that would just be can't, that would just be a zippy version of Hannibal with no black people. And I <laughs> would still watch it. Um, but. You need a much better, like, a really, 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 really great actor to make this material somehow work at all. Or you need better writing and the the actual cast they have. Because it's just, oh my, oh my god, like, a mediocre, a mediocre show, like, procedural show has yeah. more, like, with their, with their characters who got two scenes, has more interest in those characters' lives than what we get here. I know it's based on a series of books. I know right. that they're going for this breezy tone. I get that. But if you're not going to have, like I was, we were talking, I said, said to you, Noel, that I need my lady detectives. 
or gentleman detectives to have more sass and or bitchiness to them. See Hercule Poirot. That man is super bitchy in his just his particular uh, way of being so, and it's delightful. Um, so if you're not going to have personality to, to fall back on, you at least need to have some sort of sense of character or emotion, and it has none. It's so bad. There's still plenty of character. Like, anytime she goes to, like, worm her way into and get answers, she brings baked goods. She knows that no one can resist her cookies or... I- like I don't slices of pies. You know my thoughts on on baking. <laughs> yes, you, you, you've read my Great British Bake Off, you know, love letter. Uh, you 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 know how how I commit when I'm going to do baking. You know that I commit. You've tasted the baked goods. Yes, sir. I respect baking. I respect the notion of trying to figure out what someone's favorite cookie is, though it's not my thing. But I can respect for people for whom it is. And uh, and yet, it's just like I, I for, on a baking level, I was getting irritated watching this. I was like, "That is not how you do that. That is absurd. That is the wrong kind of salt. You would not use that." Like even on that level, I couldn't enjoy this. <sighs> I'm so glad I we we decided to watch this. <laughs> this is making me very happy. <laughs> well, do you have any other thoughts? Any other things you'd like to share about just desserts? Or like the the various rankings, right? So, um, so like Deadly Recipe, definitely the least entertaining of them. Um, chocolate chip cookie mystery, just above that, and then like a plum pudding mystery, um, is is good. I think is actually mm-hmm. not bad. Uh, the peach cobbler mystery is okay. I was actually really excited about that one because Hannah has to deal with the fact that she is on the hook for possibly murdering a rival baker that opens up across the street from her. Yes, um, in this small town, there's enough of an economy for two bakers. That's a thing that exists. Oh, that's actually a plot point within the con- confines of the installment. Um, and the most recent one, Just Desserts, is actually kind of middling. Um, it doesn't do enough with the premise. Um, though it's also the first one in which a guy actually did it. Uh, which was uh, kind of because women have done it in the previous four installments, which was mm-hmm. also interesting. But they're all I, I think they're just perfectly fine. They made really good background noise for me. But I'm convinced that Hannah's assistant at the bakery will one day just kill her <laughs> and take over the bakery because Hannah's never there. And but but, you know, things are going to turn around like Hannah and handsome detective guy are engaged by the end of Just Desserts. And then they get they get pulled away from their own engagement party because there's a crime to solve. Of course. Of course there is. <laughs> I mean... <sighs> oh, I'm so I, glad you saw this. No. No. Bad. Bad murder she baked. Unacceptable. Okay. Um, well, I, you've watched plenty of other things that you ended up hating, Noel, because I, cause I asked you to, or, or because I was watching you felt like you had to. So I feel like maybe we're a little even now. Yeah, I'm not sure that we're even, Kate. Mr. I Robot still got more was, to do. That Mr. Robot was pretty tough. Um, I told you to stop, though. <laughs> that one's on you. Did you, though? I don't think you told me to stop. I, really I don't, most certainly there's, did. There's no audio recording. There's certainly no evidence. Stop. There's no evidence. <laughs> and without evidence, what jury will convict me, Kate? Pictures or it didn't happen? Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> <laughs> that or audio and it didn't happen yeah that's yeah that's if, exactly what you're hearing if only we had an extensive archive of all <laughs> our conversations about tv and film well oh, just why TV. did i keep recording and be 
before and after we'd actually started talking about television. <laughs> ah, curses. Ah, if only. Well, sir, what wins your week in comedy this week? That's a great question. What wins my week? Um, I think I'm going to give it to Grace and Frankie this week, uh, just for an overall good, ex fun experience. And yeah, I'll give it to Grace and Frankie this week. What about you? Oh, I have to give it to the review finale. I'm going to miss it so much. Um, and honorable mention to two girls that, like this last season has been, like I said, really strong uh, so far as a whole. But uh, yeah, definitely the review finale, cryogenics, lightning, last review, five stars. Uh, yeah. Okay, now we'll take a break and listen to a little Children of the Revolution by T-Rex, uh, featured in this week's episode of Legion. And we'll be back with our weekend genre. This week in genre, I'm going to very quickly give a few summing up thoughts about Iron Fist Season 1 before we move on to Better Things with Samurai Jack 44. Then we'll do a roundup of the CW superhero shows um, with Arrow, Disbanded, Supergirl, Distant Sun, The Flash, Abracadabra, and Legends of Tomorrow, Doomworld. And we'll wrap up our weekend genre with the finale of Legion Chapter 8. Um, so first up is Iron Fist, and I did finish it, and I, I guess I'm glad that I did, um, if only so that I can definitively say it doesn't get better, not really, and... Colleen, I was promised, Noel, that at least Colleen was good. And yeah, I kept waiting so much. for that to happen, and it never did. Um, not really so much, it's not really the actor's fault. Uh, I don't think, I think just the material. I can't really speak one way or another about the performer. Certainly the, the martial arts and like the, the stunt work was not anywhere near what it should have been for that character. Um I mean, comparatively, it looked good, but if you think about other, even just the other Netflix shows, it should have been better. Um, yeah, the whole thing, it just, I just really don't care. And, and the, the lack of care that went into the show is just so, par it's, it's, it's just, it's like leeching off the screen. Um, and it didn't, like, I, I read some brief snippets of interviews with Finn Jones and also with the showrunner and cre uh, creator shortly after the the show like like when it premiered but I, I read it after that um and one of the things that finn jones said in an interview like this was a good thing um was talking about how the he had like three months of training before they started filming or something i think it was three months it might have been three weeks i think it was three months though um but then once they got into filming he's in so much of it 
um, and the days were so long that they didn't really have a lot of time for him to work on the individual stunts and fight sequences. And so that he would be like learning the choreography 15 minutes before and then just like having to fly by the seat of his pants. And like, well, that explains all the terrible fight choreography and how completely unbelievable you are in those scenes, uh, Finn, yeah. when we can see you. So, yeah, that maybe don't brag about that. Yeah, that explains a lot of the editing. Yeah. It really, really does. Those fight scenes, yeah. yeah. Also, I mean, just when you have Daredevil, he's in a suit. It's easier to double him. He fights at night. It's dark. Easier yeah. to double him. When you're doing Iron Fist, he's like part of it is supposed to be marveling at his prowess. And he doesn't really wear, on the show at least, he doesn't really wear a costume in the same way. Yeah. We very actively don't see Jessica really fighting a lot. Right, because Jones. she doesn't want to. Because she doesn't want to. And for Luke Cage, he's mostly just like a battering around of strength. So he's, yeah. it's, it, again, that's an easier thing to do. They really dropped the ball on this one. Um, on Iron Fist, with that element of it, you'd think at least they'd get that part right. But no, not so much. Um, so yeah, it's just like, I don't care at all by the end. Um, the only character who emerges unscathed, I think, is Claire. And that's just because Rosario Dawson... Is so is the best. She's so good. She's so eminently watchable, and like she has enough. They give her the writers give her enough of a why am I surrounded by people drinking crazy juice that <laughs> like you can connect with her a bit more. But um, they really why can't I have any normal friends? Exactly. Well, I mean, they also give her, have her do a lot of really stupid things that don't make any sense. They give other characters sure. motivations that don't make any sense by the end. Um, mm -hmm. Friend of the show, Caroline Sita, reviewed it over at the AV Club, and she was much kinder to the characters of Ward and uh, also Joy, but particularly Ward than I am. I think Ward is fine, which I guess comparatively is that says a lot. Good, good on that actor. I guess good on you know manage, him managing to make a performance in a character that's somewhat compelling. Um, or at least more interesting, not really compelling, but interesting that I guess, but again, the whole thing is just, it, it should be much, 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 much better. And like I said, in my first review or for talking about the first part of the season, Noel, the sense of entitlement of, well, it doesn't really matter if the show is good. Cause you're going to watch it no matter what it just, it, I, I, it's really frustrating to me. It's really irritating to me, uh, because I have, I tend to not actually, do that whole you have to watch every episode i like to jump in in the middle i like to jump in several seasons in you know if it's a show that i'm checking out for the first time i have no trouble doing that um and i'm trying to get better about breaking up with shows as well for me there was this like morbid curiosity with iron fist but sure. i would not tell anyone they needed to watch the show like you seriously go, like if you care about defenders you don't need to watch anything in this at all you can like read a brief synopsis on wikipedia if you're so inclined or probably you can just dive in with defenders and you'll be fine so i think it's it really damaged their their brand as it were uh at netflix like marvel netflix and certainly um is not putting them in a good position for some of their other properties it's also not promising that the guy who's the showrunner for this is the showrunner for the new inhumans show i was like oh, oh. is that the case Taking I that mean, one off my list. Don't need to watch that one anymore. <laughs> I was not really interested in the Inhumans project, but now I'm really not interested in the Inhumans really, project. Really not interested in it. So yeah, Iron Fist is bad, guys. It's, it's bad all the way right up to the end. The whole thing doesn't make any... Like, he drives a car. Why is he driving... A, how does he know how to drive a car, Noel? He's been well, in the he, Himalayan mountains for the past 15 years. He had 12 years of existence. He knows which pedal was no, which. No, why would he know that? 
when is he ever like driven? He was he was disappeared when he was ten. I thought it was twelve. No, he was ten when oh. he when he like oh. like the fact he shouldn't know any of the vernacular. He should have he shouldn't really even speak English anymore, unless everybody in this monastery in the Himalayas also speaks English. Well, it's probably mystically translated with a British accent for the one guy who does show up from the monastery. Why is he British? I don't know. In the Himalayas, don't think about it. But yeah, it's just there's there's so much of that, and it there's obviously no care put into the world building, into the, the like trying to make it a sense of of reality and uh, something that you can buy into, something you can suspend your disbelief and go with. They don't even put in a thought into that you can feel confident doing that. They just want you mm-hmm. to completely turn your brain off. And I enjoy some turn your brain off TV, you know, uh, when, when, you know, from time to time. But this was like insulting to my intelligence, even when I tried to turn off my brain. So, uh, yeah, shame on you, Iron Fist. You should have been better. And also really shame on me for watching as much as I did. I was about to say, you finished that. Yeah. So and you didn't tell me to finish it. They got you in the end. This is all They me. got you in the end. <laughs> At least I feel kind con- like I can feel confident saying no. I did watch it all. You were wrong. You're wrong. Colleen doesn't get awesome around episode seven. That never happens. So yeah. And if anything, she just seems stupider because why is she dealing with Danny? And like, there's a whole th- oh, yeah. Somebody said they turned the hand into the foot, like from the '90s Teenage Mutant Ninja, you know, tur- yeah. Turtles movies, and they pretty yeah. much kind of did in a really stupid way. Um, oh that... wait does that mean sigourney weaver is going to be shredder in the defenders if only that would be cool i would enjoy that wouldn't we all um but we're talking i've talked way too long about iron fist when we could be talking about samurai jack and another terrific episode and some more gorgeous animation uh, how fabulous was like again head jack and we got all like creepy talking about that the fact that jack had killed that woman yeah, Headjack is. I'm really liking the ratcheting up of Headjack. I, it's been really, really good. I really, I mean, I like lauded it last last week, but I really liked it again this week. And I liked how our metaphor of the white wolf, like, was in fact not a metaphor in a lot of ways. <laughs> that it was like a literal encounter that we came that circled back to this episode. And so I really liked that that through line carried through basically. Um, but no, the animation was, this was great. It felt like a really nice callback to Jack versus the Shinobi, um, where it's black and white and like the, the color play and the light play comes into, comes into, comes into the episode a lot. And I liked how the snow of this covered a lot of the terrain for us, but didn't cover it for the characters necessarily. So that we got them to see changing elevations and that kind of a thing. So I really liked how all of that played out. So I like the choreography of it. And it it was just a really nicely done episode. My question for you, and I guess for me, like the big point discussion is how much of this is like the flashbacks with his father and how much of how much of this do you see of them, of the daughters of Aku? This is their destiny. They made this choice because a lot of that is done very much from Jack's perspective and from their own in a certain sense. But it's also these women didn't really have a choice per se that they could have left. But I mean, they've all been like indoctrinated in this kind of sort of thing. And so apart from them experiencing like deer for the first time, (laughs) 
how much of this how much of that like worked for you i guess i mean i think it works from jack's perspective but from an overall perspective that this is the justification that the show offers in a lot of ways i don't know that it necessarily worked because of how what we saw of the daughter's lives prior to their um being released into the wild as it were oh and i assume that we're going to watch jack learn he was wrong Okay, that's what if this that happens, like. that's what this I'm is... going to be very excited about that. Yeah, well, because he falls into the abyss with the other daughter of a coup, so then they're right. going to be stranded together and have to help each other to escape or something and get to know each other. Like, that's what I took this as. Mm-hmm. Um, I like okay. that. And it also, like you said, it makes sense from his point, perspective, his point of view. He knows nothing about them. So right. for all he knows, they are rational people who have not been raised since infancy by insane, evil like cultists. Cult, cultists yeah exactly um i was very surprised that they killed so many of them so quickly <laughs> yeah me too i did not it's, it's just the one left at the end right um maybe two he flings the one off right a couple of them i feel like get, yeah at least like one gets flung off definitely with him so i'm pretty sure the other two are dead when they get tossed off that log mm-hmm um but yeah it was it was it was a real deck cleaning episode and i was not expecting that so quickly yeah well they definitely they wanted him to very actively choose to not save her to not pull her Mm -hmm. up Mm -hmm. and then get pulled down himself so that way he has to deal with the fact that this person he actively chose to kill in a moment when when she was not a threat to him he's Mm -hmm. now going to be forced to reckon with you know, wherever they find themselves at the bottom of that white abyss. Um, you are so much smarter than I am. <laughs> well, I just have seen, this is not my first rodeo with this storyline, nor yours, I assume. We've seen a lot of genre between us. Right. No, it's not. But I, I think I just get so wrapped up in it mm-hmm. that I immediately, like, that one little extra step of going, oh, right, they're going to do that, didn't really register for me. Well, does that, you know, now, of course, I could be wrong, and then I'll, I'll right. be rather foolish. But um, if, but if, I don't want you to look foolish. You already had to sit through Murder, She Baked. <laughs> I was watching the end fist. of that with my sister, <laughs> and I had told her before we started that I needed her to try to keep the snarky comments to, like, a certain amount, because I needed to be able to follow what was happening. If we were yeah. just, like, bemoaning what we were watching the whole time, I wouldn't be able to actually follow it. And and so then she was like, okay, whatever. And we started watching and just ripping it to shreds as we were watching it. And then about five minutes, ten minutes in, she was like, oh, is this what you meant by, like, I need to... <laughs> I was like, yeah, but it's okay. I'm following it just fine. So, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I got sidetracked there. Um, So if they, if they do go this route, will then you be more okay with the presentation here? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I wasn't, like, not okay with it. I was just more curious about like what if this was like more a part of where jack was psychologically speaking and how that was going to fit within the overall work of this season and where that was because i mean these are theoretically flashbacks that could have been used to justify killing a couple of folks that were actual human beings early in like season four not season four, early in the first, like, run of seasons that don't happen. Um, but they those people also never really posed as dire a threat as the seven women did. So I think that's part of the reason why that this is coming up now, is that these are pretty deadly foes in a way that even Aku, because of his very nature as, like, 
through the show and that kind of stalemate, like the Jack versus Aku episode is a really good example of the ridiculousness of that stalemate. But this is like, this has like legitimate psychological stakes, both for Jack, but also for these women. Yeah. And again, gorgeous visuals. They take yeah. their time, their use, the use of the time and, and also the space of the frame uh, works yeah. really well. The fight scenes are badass. And um, yeah, it was, it was a really, you know, he doesn't pull, the arrow out until he's in the, the thing. He doesn't like pull it out right away because that's what you do. If you get, you know, stabbed with the thing, Noel, you leave right. it in. The, yeah. The knife. No, yeah. he needs that in there. And I just went, Oh, this is so good. Uh, and it's going to hurt so much when he takes it out. And it hurts so much when he took it, it out. So I was a little worried. He might like break a tooth or something, you know, but then they'd have to mm-hmm. maintain that. So they weren't going to do that, but still. Right. You know. No. Yeah. No. They, but they made me feel that that's how much I was feeling, you know, the, the, the mm-hmm. tension and the, and the, the pain. So yeah, they continue to really uh, be doing terrific work over there at Samurai Jack. Do you have any final thoughts on that or should we move on to well, the CW shows? I want to know how you're feeling about like the music, because I feel like the music's like a step up mm-hmm. from where it was in the previous incarnation of the series. Um, just, there's a nice mix, I think, of especially like I feel like there's more classical instrumental this this time around than there necessarily was originally, which leaned more heavily on sounds similar to the uh, similar to the opening in a lot of instances. And but this this has a like a much more epic Western, uh, but also naturally Kurosawa type of feel to it in a lot of instances, at least to me. But how are you feeling about the music as someone who? has a much better ear since I couldn't carry a tune if you put it in a basket for me. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't really remember the scoring from the original Samurai Jack. I don't yeah. remember it in a bad way, but I, it doesn't really stick out to me in my memory of the show. I always think of the visuals first with this with this series. Um, I have sure. been enjoying the music, actually. I thought it was very good in this episode. I would have trouble pointing to specific moments other than the sure. way that they've, I did remember thinking about actually the music in this episode, but the way yeah. that they've been shifting tones with the different settings, the different, you know, aesthetics and such. So, um, but I would have trouble pointing to a particular musical moment, but now that you've mentioned it to me, I'm sure I'll be thinking about it more as I, as I continue to watch the rest of the, of this season, but no, it has been, it's been very solid and um, it's very evocative. And it, again, it's easy when you have such a, particularly stylized visual to feel like you need an equally stylized and in the same way uh, yeah. oral aesthetic and I'm glad that they aren't falling into that into some sense of they don't feel restrained or c- constrained I should say yeah. by that and uh, yeah, I appreciate the flexibility they have with their sound yeah I agree like this this was also like the first episode back where I kind of went I was really kind of picking up on the music that they were throwing down and I really, really liked it. But like you, I couldn't necessarily point to a particular moment. But it it was just registering a lot more this week for me for some reason that I'm not entirely sure I can identify. But I really liked it, what I was thinking about as I finished the episode. Like the entire package of this week's episode, I think, is just really strong. But it's all three episodes so far have just been really strong. And you can just tell how much care and time they put into this so far. Yeah. No, they again, they just it's clearly um something that they they love doing and they're very passionate about and they are doing a terrific job with. You can you can feel that when you're watching the show. They wouldn't bring this show back after this much time and do it this well if they didn't feel so yeah. strongly about it. So, 
I'm glad that they, they were able to execute it. I'm glad we get to watch it and talk about it, too. Um, our next show is Arrow, which you're still not watching, but I've been keeping up with over on the CW. This is season five, and this season has really gotten a lot of praise from people who've sort of stuck with Arrow, like who who started watching it. That Maybe they liked the first season, maybe they didn't, but then by the end of the second season, they're like, oh, it's really good, which is when I jumped back in. Um, I saw the end of the second season went, oh, it's really good. And they hire all the Spartacus people. So cool. And then watch season three was like, uh, okay. And then season four, it was like, oh, guys, how are you wasting Neil McDonough? Come on, come on. Um, so for me, season five has started a little wobbly and has gotten stronger as it's gone along. These are the best flashbacks since season two with Slade. Um, it's like not even close but I, in, in that I don't really mind when they come up. I don't want to fast forward. I don't really want to watch them either, but I'm not like, oh, God, why are we <laughs> the way that I was right. for like all the other seasons, seasons. three and four and especially. one. Yeah. yeah. And and what I've, I still haven't seen all of season one and what I saw of season mm-hmm. one that made me say this show is terrible and not keep watching it. Um so that that speaks to some of the things that they're doing right, but very specifically, um, the the his friend in the Bratva, um, like the, the 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 chemistry between Ali yeah. and and this friend of his whose name I not Anatoly Anatoly yes yes, um, so you know that that's really what has grounded those scenes. There's been a lot of camaraderie and a lot of character work with mm-hmm. this guy who you do get the feeling has a sense of who Oliver is, um. And it, there's also been a lot of fight scenes in there that have worked pretty well. So that that's, that's certainly helped the season. The trouble I'm having with the season is that <laughs> it's followed the previous two seasons. So, like, if this season came, like, if this was, like, season four even, I think uh-huh. I would be much more invested in this central arc that they're, that they're doing. Like, this, a lot of people really love this baddie of, of Adria or, like, Prometheus. But I don't really care um the actor is doing a pretty terrific job with what he's given but this this arc of we're gonna break oliver he's gonna we're gonna convince him that he just likes to kill and he's never you know like break his his spirit and his will and get him to understand and believe that he just is this killer and that there was never any um and any morality he put to his reasoning for putting on the hood was just a an excuse to himself because he likes killing um and it's just such a basic evil plan that it's really annoying when it works, you know? Um, sure. And also, the name of the show is Arrow, starring the Green Arrow. He's not going to stop being the Green Arrow for more than maybe a few episodes. So when right. there's this big, like, oh, no, he shouldn't have never taken up the hood in the first place. And I just get everyone around me killed. It's like, I don't I know that you're going to undo this show. Like, I'm not an idiot. This is season five and you're going to get renewed probably. And you're going to come back for another. It already season. has been. Yeah. So, like, come on. We know that this is not going to stick. So so that makes some of these these scenes even it, like I can appreciate that they're well done especially for the show for, you know, cause that's not always the case on arrow, but they're well done for the show in the moment and in the episode. But because they've kind of used up some of my goodwill. Sure. I know that it's like, okay, can you just have the, the character realization that I know you need to have so that we can get on to the next thing. 
So I can't really enjoy those as they're happening, even though I can acknowledge and appreciate that they're doing a good job with them and certainly much better than some of the other stuff they've given people to play. I like the stuff they're doing with Felicity, even if it's a bit, again, you can see where it's going and she should be smarter than this and these other people should be smarter than this and they're not taking the time to fully investigate her in the way that I think they would need to for me to, again... I, I believe her making these choices, but I'm not interested in them because I there hasn't been quite enough attention to her her emotional state and what she's dealing with with the death of her boyfriend um, who got killed by Ollie. So uh, accidentally, you know, accidentally, but you know, um, the show. So, so like, there's all these different things that are happening that on paper are good and in the moment, like I like, yeah, that's good. But I just. I don't care enough. Um, the whole team thing has kind of, they've ironed out some of the kinks that's gotten much better in the last handful of episodes. They got rid of some of the, you know, they, they got rid of some of the other team members so that we could have a tighter crew, which I think is a good idea. Um, Talia Ghul, I think they mostly wasted that character. Um, she hasn't popped back up yet. I assume at some point she will, but I care way more about Nissa than Talia. So um, I, I think that's a bit of a wasted opportunity so far with the season, but yeah, it just, I wish I could care more. I wish I did care more about the, and or could appreciate the ways in which Arrow is doing things right. Yeah. And I just, I'm having trouble care. I'm still watching and I'm, I tend to, you know, like, again, like I said, this, I go to the superhero shows when I don't want to watch super intense, deep, the, the real life problems with humanity kind of shows, um, so that's part of why Arrow is one of those shows I watch sooner rather than later. But mm-hmm. it just, I feel bad for not liking this season more. Well, I mean, I've, I've been interested because I just grabbed the promos and everything now from when I'm watching the other stuff on the CW. And so I've been really interested in your take on what's been happening and how well uh, Chase's plot or what what chase's plot was since it wasn't exactly clear what he was doing uh just from the promos uh so i was i'm really i'm interested in that concept of breaking him down as he just likes to kill type of thing Mm -hmm. which seems at odds with pretty much everything that's been established in the flashbacks um unless the russian stuff is like significantly changing that course which well he kills people a lot okay but yeah right but, I mean, he's never been comfortable with killing people up in the flashbacks mm-hmm. up until, I'm assuming, this season. So that's interesting. I'm not sure I necessarily would be, like, grabbed by that. But it depends on the performances and some of the writing. Um, but since you're in this position of, I just, you're struggling to figure out a way to care about a lot of this. I'm assuming that that's your response to the news that uh, Katie Cassidy's back next season as Black Siren full-time on Arrow. Oh, no, um, that, sh- that if they do it right, could be a lot mm-hmm. of fun. Like, what I'm seeing with that is they could do a Faith Angel arc. Sure. That could be really interesting and compelling. Right, but didn't they we also just to. kind of decide that she was irredeemable much earlier this season? Yeah, but then they also said that she was going to be in Iron Heights and he was going to go visit her and try, like, when she was there and try to find the good in her and that kind of, like, so, like, theoretically, that could be something that's been happening this whole time off screen yeah when he's not being tortured by adrian when he's not being tortured (laughs) for days by adrian yeah um i I do really like adrian just being nuts and i yeah getting him manipulating ollie to a point where he will buy into his 
his nuts like reasoning Mm -hmm. makes sense and i think that they're trying to show that i just think for me it didn't come through enough we're supposed to like they're really selling that he's right and and it also would have helped if we hadn't had this whole episode with trying to tell the secret tell the secret and like oh the secret he wants him to say is that he likes killing how long is it going to take ollie to figure that out the entire episode okay the entire episode <laughs> like that's you know like some of these things are well, oliver's not super smart i mean touche touche <laughs> um and i i like some of the choices they're making with that having him kill his wife um like uh, they're just completely irredeemable with him and just and like the tension of not being able to do anything to him like seeing him at work every day as the mayor mm-hmm. and not being able to do anything they have a lot of fun with the the po- impotent rage of that and like the just like yeah. the the tension um you know there, so the, i think there is a lot that they're getting out and that's something that they've also never done before on the show and certainly not in any sort of successful way they had some stuff with dark with that but the, it feels it, it gives a different element to all the non-arrow scenes that i think really really helps but then they have had thea just be gone for large stretches of the season i like that they don't put her back in the hood i like that they, that that's a character choice she's making but I'd like to be seeing her. Um, I don't want her around for no reason, but it's odd that she's just gone for large stretches. And they sent Lance to rehab for large stretches of the seasons because they know they have too many characters yeah. and or they're paying them in such a way that they only get so many episodes. Who knows the specific reasons? But they, they do know they have too many characters. Um, so I like that they are, they've been whittling in various ways, but... I don't know. There's just some other... I'd like to see them tweak some of these different issues. How do you feel about them bringing Black Siren on for next season? Do you think she'll be the villain for the season? Or do you think they're going to have her be, like, on the team? Oh, I think they'll have her be on the team. I don't think she'll be the villain for the season. So they're going to have two Canary Cry people. Oh, Kate, I think it's adorable that you think that that other black canary woman is going to survive. <laughs> <Drake>. <laughs> I, I've, I've liked her. I think she's been good so far, and it's been fun to have, um, to have again, because of how he's Ollie's situated as the mayor, they can have Lance there as his, like, deputy mayor or whatever, and she's there mm-hmm. as his bodyguard. Like, it lets them get back to some of that, being able to scheme outside of the, uh, I mean, it's not the Batcave, it's the, uh, Arrow cave. Yeah, whatever they yeah. call it. Anyways, um, so so solid, not great. Um, I, I wish I could like it more. And let's get uh, Mr. Terrific back with his husband, please. <laughs> there still... are no happy relationships in superhero shows. That's still except, the relationship I most care about. Except for Kara and Marnell. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about Supergirl and Distant Sun here. Um, I really like a lot of what we get here, and I think that I know that this is the week that all the the Monel articles went went live. Yeah, um, it was all like <laughs> a flood of those. Um, but I think that they kind of I don't know. What did you think about this episode? I thought they went out of their way to make the case for Monel with this. Right, I think they did go out of the way to make a case for Monel. I'm not sure I still necessarily like like the case but it's a like like we discussed last week it's a lot of like weird layers of acceptance of character flaws and where those fall i think and so i kind of buy the fact that he's i no, i don't kind of i do buy the fact that he's like changed in terms of being here for nine months and or ten months or however long it's been at this point and that he's 
wanting all these changes to be made to Daxum if he's going to come back with them and that kind of a thing. And I like that the response is still very grounded in that his parents, particularly his mom, uh, God, Terry Hatcher is having so much fun, (laughs) um, is that they haven't had any sort of cultural exchange, basically, in the four years. They've just been on this ship, crossing the Milky Way, and trying to find him. And I, I, I like the interplay of, again, if you have more exposures to culture you understand things better. You have a wider perspective of how things should potentially work as opposed to, oh, we really elevate those people by making them slaves, don't we, dear? Yes, we do, dear. And (laughs) I think that that's where that's coming from. So I really appreciate that. The thing is, is like, Monel never really had an arc for any of that in this context, I feel like. He was never really judgy about anything. He was just befuddled. Mm-hmm. by a lot of stuff and i think that's where I, the disconnect for me is is like he never maybe he held all these beliefs like deep inside of him while on daxum but it just manifested his befuddlement of oh, god these computers are really weird and women are just throwing themselves at me this is great type of thing and but there wasn't necessarily like a cultural exchange that he experienced per se and i think that's kind of where that stumbles a lot for me is where there it was a very flat sort of hump as opposed to like a larger arc of him getting to this point it's not bad by any stretch of the imagination in part because again like i said last week is that chris wood is just really really good at making all of this work in a way that i feel like it in lesser hands wouldn't necessarily work And I think that's where I end up falling is that a lot of this is, again, on his performance, not necessarily on the writing or the character development, but just because he's good at being supportive, but not necessarily at being like really interesting Hmm. sometimes. And I think that's where I, I think that's where I've landed on Mon-El this week. Uh, What about you? How did you feel about his whole thing? Were you sad that Kevin Sorbo got killed just as he was starting to seemingly get comfortable in this role and finally <laughs> was delivering a decent performance compared to last week? Yeah, no, I um, <laughs> I would agree. I would agree with that. But um, I was very glad that they killed him. Oh, that's so much more interesting. And um, yeah, it is. Yeah, this is I look forward to what this will bring then what this twist brings. And I like that they brought the president back to be like, hey, guys, there are ramifications to the shit you're doing like as well, a you're there speaking are only for the ramifications <laughs> because i'm an apparently maybe an evil alien of some kind well there are also like if a person from earth like goes and punches up the ship of the 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 rulers of a planet like that yeah, is an act not, of war it's not much of a planet anymore from what yeah, we can gather yeah but the the point remains i'm glad that they yes they were trying to continue this idea uh, you know like the, the seeds for this thing that will happen later with president wonder woman but um i i like that they that that they're are likely to be consequences for Jean. Like, I like that they are going to, they're putting, starting to put some restrictions on things that he can do and the number of times that he can bail uh, Kara yeah. out. Um, I also, like, how do you feel about this thing they've introduced with Monel about basically him coming from an abusive home? I mean, the entire situation on Daxum sounds kind of abusive. Um, yeah. E- even for him. Uh, but it was interesting. But I'm not like, I'm not totally sure like it adds a great deal of depth because again, like I still feel like a lot of this is just like at some point, like 
choice type of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I, I would legitimately, and I hate saying this because I don't want these, but I would legitimately need like more flashbacks to justify that kind of him, his, what he was like on Daxon is basically what I need more of, but is exactly what I don't want to see. Yeah. I, I was getting from this week and the last, and last week, the interaction with his parents, um, it felt like they were really going for no, like physically abusive, emotionally abusive household. Do what right. you're told, I mean, don't question that kind of a thing. So that right, they were okay with throwing him into a dungeon. Yeah, <laughs> as long as you're there, that's what matters. Yeah, like and and there was no sense of surprise or of hurt or anything. Of like, there was very much a sense of this is a this is like a, he adopted the the demeanor of an abused person. You know, yeah. interacting with his with his parents and but what that I think that's interesting for me I haven't quite decided if I think it's a good idea or a bit of a cop-out but that gives a reasoning for his uh not wanting to talk about where he comes from certainly but also this not questioning his environment not questioning his parents and their rule if he like if he's abused from the time he was a child of course he's not going to question yeah and and try to you know, shake up the power dynamic with his parents. So, um, I, I don't, I haven't quite decided if I think that that's them using a cop out, like exploitative of, you know, actual abuse that people deal with or a smart thing that actually makes a lot of sense. I'm kind of, I'm not sure where I fall on that one yet. We'll have to see how they handle this continuing dynamic with his mother. Yeah, and I suspect that uh, the people who really hate Monel are going to have a really quick answer for you, Kate. I suppose uh, that they probably will, and I would love to hear it. I do. I would like to hear from people who I'm sure are frustrated with my lack of real frustration um, with Monel, and um, or, or and I don't disagree with anybody who feels like Car deserves better than Monel. Like I'm not disagreeing with you. I or like feel like she's lost elements of her personality and her identity as Kara that she's mm-hmm. now just only Supergirl and that's a really bad thing. I yeah. don't disagree with you about that either. <laughs> I'm not saying this is the best choice she's ever made in her life. Um but I think some of that is also the show. Um yeah. and less the character, you know, I think it's less about Monel and more about being at the CW now and really going into the DEO stuff and coming away from Catco. So and not having close to Flockhart. Not having close to Flockhart and um yeah. So I please but please do I would love to hear from you listeners if you want to rip me a new one over over not being um not feeling uh as strongly uh, or not feeling anywhere near as negative about Manels. I know a lot of a lot of uh even our listeners do. Um but I feel free, please. I, the television gmail.com. I would love to hear from you guys. Um, let's move on though, to our next show. And that is flash abracadabra. Um, and I liked some of this episode, but yeah. you, you know, I, I thought it was it, for, for abracadabra being the villain. I mean, I think that's pretty, pretty good considering what they were working with. Right. No, abracadabra is just a really, 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 I, I, there aren't enough reallys. Mm-hmm. Uh, sir- silly villain from the comics. Um, but th- it was really nice to have just a silly villain on the show again. And one played by an actor who got that it was supposed to be kind of ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And the show allowed, the show made space for that ridiculousness. Like the whole sequence of Barry running through a whole mess of playing cards was really silly 
but it was also really cool at the same time. Like this is something that, again, the show hasn't done in a long time, it feels like. And so that kind of embrace of just how odd Abracadabra is as a character, I just really liked all of that stuff. And I liked that he was a villain that they didn't quite know what to necessarily do with. And instead of like making him this really big threat, and I kind of had trouble with the fact that neither of them are fast enough to outrun a time machine jet, but okay, let's go <laughs> with that. But the fact that he his entire existence in this episode is just to make Barry realize all he has to do is go to the future to figure out what he's supposed to do. But that it was an entertaining way of getting to that point, I thought. And I that's what I liked about it, was that the episode was solidly entertaining, even if I don't know why you would think that they were going to tell you who Savitar was. <laughs> <laughs> and so getting worked up necessarily about the fact that he keeps almost saying who Savitar is. And it's just like, guys, no one's going to say anything. So just why buy into this premise? I don't need to buy into this premise when there's a guy throwing playing cards around. <laughs> yeah. It's just... The... The the Savitar mystery is the same as the they've the same reveal mysteries they've done the last several seasons. It has to be somebody yeah. that we've heard of at least who we've seen before. Yeah. And there's only so many people that could be. Right. Um I mean, given the stuff they've been giving Caitlin, mm-hmm. my mind goes to Rick Costnett. You know, he's, sure. he's he got swallowed up by the speed force. We mm-hmm. didn't actually see, you know, him, like, be dead dead. Um, like, there's a lot of different people it could be like that. But it's just, I don't, again, I don't care. And yeah. they keep building it up as this thing. Like, you've already done one reveal this season of, ah, ha, ha, it was a person you knew all along. With, right. With... We hired Draco Malfoy. What yeah. did you think it was going to be? <laughs> so, so, again, it's just, that's why one of the best things they've done with The Flash recently is announced that there's not going to be a speedster big bad next season. Right. Because um, it's just such a familiar beat. So having a new way to play um, with some of that same material, p- making Joe be the one who is going to, you know, screw up here because, of course, because that's the only thing that makes any sense. And yeah, um, of course he would. Of course he has to. Um, yeah. I like the stuff that they they were giving Cisco and Gypsy. It was a bit much, but I, yes. I it's it's nice to see. But it's nice to see Cisco in like cute flirty datey mood like mode mm-hmm. you know it's nice to see that confidence in him too um especially because we all know that she's totally digging on him you know like yeah he should be reading things a little bit better but i did really like that that exchange we get you know with them earlier on even if you know they should just respect that this guy has killed lots of people including obviously somebody she cares about with how personal this is and just back off a bit you know um because she has helped them out in the past and everything. So that was a bit mishandled by the Flash team. Maybe a little misjudged or, or, or balanced by the Flash writers. But I, I still do very much enjoy that character of Gypsy. And mm-hmm. um, and so that part of it was fun. But yeah, like, Abracadabra is stupid. <laughs> it's a stupid villain. But it's it's kind of nice to have a ridiculous villain show again. needs more stupid villains. They do need it's more thing. stupid villains. Is yeah. like, the Flash's rogues gallery is just stupid villains like they're all kind of ridiculous and not in like a 
Batman ridiculous sort of way is like mirrors of Batman type of thing. They're just, these are people with cold guns and people who dive out of mirrors and people who spin around like tops to cause vertigo. People and... who make you really slow. Right. And the turtle, guys, the turtle. And it's just, it's that kind of a thing. So that's why, like, th- their refusal since season two to really embrace um, the ridiculousness of his rogues gallery has just always been really troubling since then. Like, they just seem kind of allergic to the stuff that made season one really fun, which is when they did embrace the fact that his rogues gallery is just kind of a silly hodgepodge of weird villains. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't yeah. have a problem with wacky hair and cards to everywhere yeah. and the strange nanobot answer that doesn't really make any sense, but don't look at it too close. Like, I'm okay with that. Clearly, 60, I'm okay with that. 64th century technology. You're fine. I mostly enjoyed Legends of Tomorrow this week. Doom World. Yeah. Clearly, I'm okay with that. Though, I, I, rev- I subbed in for Oliver over at the AV Club and reviewed this episode there. I gave it a B, which um, many in the comment section thought was far too harsh. Um, but I, it's because that's how I feel like it was. I felt it was fine. I had fun with parts of it. Uh, I enjoyed the the silly jokes but i do really feel like they lost a massive the, like the main reason it did not get a b plus or a minus is that they just had this wonderful opportunity to do anything and the biggest they can dream up for themselves like the legion of doom are rewriting all of reality and damian dark is like i can we can do anything i want to be mayor really well and also kill a bunch of superheroes yeah, well, yeah, I guess it's just like <laughs> the idea that the that the league, uh, the, sorry, the Legion of Doom, they don't have a lot of imagination. It's actually kind yeah. of fun. They could have explored. Like, I don't know why they didn't have anybody comment on that. That could have been a character beat. Um, but I also don't believe that Dark and Merlin and Thawne. Like, I could see Thawne or Dark, but I feel like Merlin has got too many aspirations for that. Like, right. You know, like, so they, they could have made any character, any of these actors do any kind of character. And whilst I, other reviews I read thought that everybody was so wacky and different than usual, they were all very, very similar to their normal personas with the exception of Ray, which worked, yeah. and Jax, which really didn't. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I just was like, I don't know how you do an alt-universe episode, an alt-reality episode, and you're just like, shall we go crazy and fu- wild and fun with it? No, nah, but just kind of down the middle. I don't know. It just It was such a wasted opportunity. I don't disagree with you. Like, I had a lot of fun watching this. I enjoyed people just constantly punching Mick in the face. Um, <laughs> I enjoyed the that- sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> the sandwich bit. I just like that that became a running joke. For, like, across, like, three scenes, that became a running joke. And I I was really amused by that. Uh, But I think a lot of it boils down to the fact that this needed, like you said in your review, this needed just so much more space to operate because they have so many characters. And so this really needed to be, like, a stretch two-parter in Doom World, basically, to really give everyone some space. Like, I totally agree with you that Malcolm's big thing is that he's got his wife and Tommy back. And Anthea loves him, mm-hmm. um, but let's 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 not kid ourselves here. Malcolm has, as you say, significantly more aspirations than that, um, and so so I've, I, that's kind of lost. Dark's whole thing of 
Well, he would also have his family back, but he would also have like this perfect utopian society that he's in charge of. And I don't necessarily think that Star City is that. Mm -hmm. But I do believe that uh, Snart's perfect world is one where he can just like live a life of a criminal without necessarily much risk. Oh, see, I don't for a second. I don't for a second believe this because it would have no thrill or fun because it would just right, be which is which was going to be the point that yeah. I was about to make is that oh, okay. he would. I I believe that he'd want like Central City as his own, but the fact that he controls the cops and everything creates an issue yeah. for me as well. So, or rather, that because Thawn controls the cops, blah 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 blah. But the fact that they're oh, sorry, Mister Snart, we didn't know you were robbing this bank. Mm -hmm. um, it's just like also it's the same bank everyone's robbing this season which <laughs> is really putting a damper in the limited location shooting they have anyway so that was like the other thing where it's it all of it's like just not creative enough basically and the same thing falls in like you said we're saying it's just like we've seen sarah lance be exactly like that before mm -hmm. and we Seeing Amaya like that doesn't register really in any way, shape, or form. And Brad Pitt, I've sorry, Brad Pitt, <laughs> well, but it also Nate, tells you yeah. where, where I'm going with this is that Nate really just needed to go more Brad Pitt and Twelve Monkeys here, mm -hmm. and to really like sell this conspiracy angle. That doesn't necessarily the, the the problem with that is that it just literally comes out of nowhere to get the ball rolling for this episode. Whereas, hey, if you give this whole thing two episodes, then that's like halfway through the first episode as opposed to immediately at the start of the episode so it's a lot of fun and i enjoy it in terms of just the silliness of it all uh but uh, like you also said in your review a lot of this is just going to get undone really quickly like amaya's death because then that just totally once doom world gets undone which it will get undone then if maya's not alive in the time stream then that really messes up arrow season four a little bit <laughs> so again all of this sort of stuff with the shared tv universe not necessarily being to their benefit because they can't make anything really sticky um as much as they flashpoint like to try that with um arrow and guys know mm -hmm. so yeah it's fun but uh it, it just never amounted to as much fun as it probably could have been or as much of a blank slate type of episode as other shows have done could have been and i it, it was a night it was good in like parts but like an overall effort i think a b is a good choice yeah and, and they also really show their hand in this episode with rip and that they have no idea who rip is as a character why is he making cakes why is he making cakes i we understand him as a drunk i i get yeah. that I don't understand why he's trying to ma master cakes. Yeah, like because he's never been a character. He's just always been a a plot motivation. Like I need right. to save my family, and then this and then that. But, and they've had fun with him being these other like the director and evil Rip and everything, but they never figured out what the core of that character was. Apart from wanting to have sex with his ship, I think. Apparently, yeah. uh, <laughs> but 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 it's like that, and so therefore we they couldn't have fun with that here like they right. have a sense of who ray is so they can have fun with that yeah uh, with, with him being all broy. but like th these other characters so like amaya when she's you know robotic evil you know sexy fighter lady or whatever again we don't have a strong enough sense of who amaya is that we can then 
react to, oh, she's so different. Like, even when when she's interacting with the with the Legion of Doom, we she feels a little too much like regular Amaya in those those scenes. Like, there isn't a distinct enough character in our regular reality that this alt reality version can really pop in contrast to that. Um, in some ways and similar in others. So like they had that same problem here with Rip and, and a lot of people really enjoyed the cake stuff. I was like, this is silly, but there's no reason to it. And if he isn't whammied, if he, if they did, they just kept him in the reality normally, did they just like forget that he exists or something? It doesn't make any sense why he is still there and not out in the rest of their world. Well, yeah, I think a lot of that just also boiled down to the, again, their desire, the, thin justification of being Bond villains and wanting to torture everyone. Um, which I appreciated the fact that Malcolm and Damien <laughs> were just like, this is a terrible idea. Why are we doing this exactly? Uh, the Legion of Doom <laughs> were so fun though. Like they're, 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 their parts of this episode were the best parts of it. Right. <laughs> like like Thon's just utter frustration that Malcolm Merlin was right about this. It was just yeah. like no. delicious. Do you know how frustrating it is? <laughs> Ah, oh, good times. Okay, um, I, sorry, I've been going on too long about Legends Tomorrow. Any final thoughts, or shall we move on to the Legion finale? No, let's move on to the Legion finale. And, uh, Kate, mm-hmm. I really feel like this episode, especially how this episode ends, uh, justifies my feeling that this show doesn't really want me to care about anyone on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's certainly a, certainly a problem. Um, yeah, they, they try to get us to care about burn 40% of his body guy. Um, by showing us his husband and his kid, and uh, and that was that was that was nice. Um, having Oliver remember Melanie like right at the last second was a yeah. bit on the nose. Um, but I don't know. I thought it was I thought it was a solid end of the season. I liked how quickly the episode seven cliffhanger was resolved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a nice you know surprise. But also uh, a little bit too much of a ripoff of Hannibal. Thank you, Noah. <laughs> oh well yeah that's i was i'm sure we were not the only people thinking of that no um but but yeah the the i thought that the setup for the next season was good um i think again if they had made us care more about these individuals uh these characters i think this would have been much more satisfying but the um the stuff we got with david's memories and having lenny and the you know uh the shadow king taken out of them. And then that idea of like, what is David without this? Because, because the shadow king has been such a huge part of his life and his mind and his memories for so long. How, like, what does that mean for him? I thought that was a really, uh, a terrific idea. And one that I would love to have seen them explore next season, except that they're clearly not gonna, cause they had him get abducted by a little ball thing. Exactly. <sighs> yeah, exactly. It's just like, Oh, we have this big psychological breakthrough of, again, like that question of who am I without you? And the answer apparently is, is kind of an arrogant jerk a little bit, um, which is fine. I'm okay with that as a choice. Cause again, Dan Stevens is selling all of this yeah, and I'm buying it as, as through a performance level, but I'm also going, he hasn't had any time to even hang out with Sid and he's been abducted into a little ball thingy. And now he's trapped in something again. And I get that maybe there's some sort of larger thematic thing that uh, Haley Holly is interested in discussing with this. But I'm immediately just like, 
this is very much a spectacle over substance show. I'm I'm just I'm feeling very confident in that decision by the end of this because there's no time for anyone to breathe or debrief or have a moment to think about what they've learned or what they've experienced. And instead he just gets abducted immediately. Yeah. And it's just like, but, but, but we, we, he, he was asking really interesting questions about himself as a character. Let's, can we talk about that just real quick? No, we can't. (laughs) Okay. And then we're going to play children of the revolution just in case we don't get it. (laughs) And so I was just like, okay, okay. Show. Good for you. I won't be back next season, but good for you. On the plus <laughs> side, now Aubrey Plaza can be here next season. Which is good. And which is I'll be good. which is good. And we'll get more um Jermaine likely next yeah. season. Apparently, based on interviews, he'll be back for next season, uh, in a maybe at a slightly expanded capacity, mm-hmm. uh, which will be good as well. Um but yeah, I'm also just sort of just like it doesn't also just doesn't matter apart from just actor showcase type stuff. Yeah. And no, I, I don't disagree. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of where I am. It's just like, this is a really good actor showcase for a number of people. It's not a good show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's one that as much as I've enjoyed it, and I've certainly, I think I've enjoyed it quite a bit more than you have over yeah. the course of the season. It's nothing that's going to be near my top 20 at the end yeah. of the year. Um, and cause, cause I will, I style over substance shows. I can still enjoy those. Yeah. I and certainly have a lot of fun watching them and be excited to watch the latest episode when it comes out, but they tend not to stick with me at the end of the year. They tend not to be the ones I return to in, in any significant way. Um, so yeah, I'm sure that when we get to the end of the year, there will be people talking about Legion still as one of the best shows of this year. But I mean, even the first three months of this year, I think you could easily rattle off 10 different shows that had part of or the entirety of their season in this first three months that were better like like 10 new shows even yeah and i mean i could get on the style over substance train pretty quickly and because i like flashy stuff as well it's just that the show wants to keep returning to like character stuff Mm -hmm. but then never actually doing anything with that character stuff in a way that i feel is interesting or tells me new things basically yeah and so like again this episode just reinforces like everything i've been frustrated with in a lot of ways and then just kind of confirmed all of that and i just went yep i'm good i i I feel very strongly that i had a really solid beat on you show Mm -hmm. and i feel bad that you tricked me around episode four (laughs) (laughs) fair enough um what wins your week in genre Ah, oh, Kate, come on. You know what the answer to this is. Uh, it's Samurai Jack. Again, third week one running, I think. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, it's Samurai Jack. Uh, what about you? Yeah, Samurai Jack. Yeah. What did you think I was going to say? Iron Fist? Come on, Samurai Jack. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I look forward to, you know, maybe Steven Universe will come back before Samurai Jack finishes. Yeah. <laughs> and we... we'll have a competition. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Like, I do, I am enjoying Supergirl. I am enjoying, um, you know, elements of, of Legends, Flash, and Arrow. But it's just like... Well. I mean, Samurai Jack is really good right now, guys. Um, Now we will take a break, listen to one of the songs from this week's episode of Underground. They're killing it with their song selection over there. Oh, gosh. So good. Yeah. (laughs) We'll be right back with our week in reality and drama. Thank you. 
vibes around when we roll out. Yeah. Spartan hugs when we go round. Oh. We ain't gonna stop till the KO. So we're gonna need more rounds. Yeah. I'm gonna bust things sexy dumpling unless you know that you're gonna get dumped out. Trust. Everyone's here who's meant to be. Nobody's getting left out. Cool. All of my dumbs in the dance with VIP treatment. Calm. Looking to lock off the dance and leave with a diva. Shut down everything and roll out. Cool. Shut down everything and roll out. Calm. Shut down everything and roll out. Cool. Shut down everything. Calm. I roll up with 20 duns. Every one of them are getting in on my guest list. Straight to the VIP section. Presidential is the way that we step. I'm not a side man, but I come through the side exit. I can't because of the amount that I'm spending. My gang flag guys looking expensive. Trying to need them bottles and ice in a red drink. Next thing, gal them are flexing. Say they want to put the work in. Say they want to go up for a long time. I got bubble and twerk and I'm looking for a free. That was Dance and Divas um, by Flodans uh, featuring Manga um, from this week's episode of Underground. And as previously stated, Underground is killing it. With their song selections this year, we talked about this, Noel, but their budget must have gone up significantly. So significantly. Yeah. Anyways, they're killing it over there, but we're not at Underground yet. We're kicking things off with uh, The weekend Reality, and then we'll go to drama. So first up is RuPaul's Drag Race season premiere, Oh My Gaga. Then we'll I'll talk briefly about The Amazing Race. We're coming for you, Phil, um, which, of course, The Amazing Race came back for season 29 the other day that sounds really that sounds really rough that they're coming for phil like that apparently um (laughs) then we'll talk briefly about planet earth 2 um you caught up with much of 13 reasons why and i've seen the first episode we'll talk a little bit about that um i talked caught the premiere of rebel um the pilot i should say and then we'll talk underground knockout and the good fight not so grand jury so first up is rupaul's drag race and this was their premiere um they didn't eliminate anyone and basically they're like we're back we are as popular as we've ever ever been if not more so we're on vh1 and oh yeah lady gaga's here what and we have a surprise person coming back yes i'm very i I really enjoyed this i thought it was super fun i know some people didn't like that no one was eliminated but i think that was a very distinct thing that gaga didn't want to have to eliminate someone which is why they didn't yeah um, yeah. And I was okay that, with it. That feels like a very Gaga thing. I totally agree with you that she wouldn't want to be re- that she wouldn't want anyone to go home on a week in which they were doing her style. Yeah, or just like associating it that for them with her. Like right. Gaga and, kicked me off. I'm not good enough for Gaga. They, she, they, yeah, she she certainly wouldn't want someone else to be feeling that. Right, and that's that's not consistent with her brand either. No. <laughs> um, so, no, I feel like, but it's also, like, it gives whomever is coming in, like, it start, it'll allow for a little bit of drama and disruption next week. Yeah. Which will be fun. Yeah. And then, like, maybe two people can go home next week. Well, we don't know. Uh, we'll find out. Or two people will go home at some other point, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I agree that this was a really, it was a really good pr- episode, and I thought that we got a decent, a much quicker idea of how all the queens operated. Mm-hmm. Uh, than we typically get in a first episode. Um, but I also feel like the quality of the queens is really high this season. Okay. Um, just on me, but I also acknowledge, again, I've only seen, again, a handful of non-All-Star episodes. So, but I, 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 I'm really interested to see... I think when I say quality, I mean, like, there's a degree of difference in terms of their approaches. Especially, yeah. like, when you factor in, like, Nina... Or Sasha, who are both doing something pretty different than everyone else is necessarily doing, though. Um, uh, what's her name? Shay? Shay? Yeah. yeah. Is also doing something, I think, also kind of different from what everyone else has done. 
um, at least within this group. So I'm really interested to see the interplay between all of those and those approaches come out. Yeah. And yeah. And I, I think I'm also, of course, really eager to see how their particular approaches factor into like something like the um, snatch game. Yeah. And what that means, ideologically speaking, but I'm also always like, sometimes necessarily putting a little bit too much thought into this <laughs> and that's okay because it's what we do here on this podcast. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm feeling good about this season based on just the first episode. Um, how are you feeling about this cast and uh, how did you feel about like the uh, show us where you're from challenge more so than the Gaga challenge, which I thought was generally really consistent, but the show us where you're from challenge. It was underwhelming. And you could tell yeah. that they had obviously come there with, like, <laughs> no one was oh, sewing like, hot dogs. Gaga costumes, it, right. Like, yeah, it, it, you know, they weren't sewing those where you're from or, like, like uh, Trinity wasn't airbrushing her thing <laughs> right. backstage. So, like, they, they obviously had come with those prepared. And in that case, uh, they need to yeah. step up their game because, come on. But the Gaga looks, I thought, on the whole were very good. Um yeah. And and like you said, I think there's a good variety of types of queens. Uh this has been a, a problem on the show in the past where like you'll have seasons where it's like, okay, well, everybody is going for fish this season yeah. or you know, so it like seems like there's a good combination of just some strange or weird approaches and then comedy queens and and style or or look, you know, pageant queens. Like there there seemed like there was a handful of different types of uh like you said approaches to drag and i I really appreciate that uh we'll see how the challenges speak to that whether or not the people who are different get eliminated right off the front which tends to be what happens um hopefully that won't happen this season but uh yeah i would certainly like to see what some of these more avant-garde queens have to have like what what they present as we get into more interesting challenges Right, because the show, at least with the seasons I've watched, and you've watched a bit more of it than I have, so you can speak to this, the show doesn't necessarily make space for them with the yeah. challenges. Like, I mean, a lot of it is it veers towards the perform, it veers towards a type of performativity that is, I don't want to say antithetical to what they do, but doesn't fit. So doesn't we're, reward we're doing, it doesn't reward it. So when we're doing like Rue's latest uh, music video, there's not really space for them in that particular setting because that's not Rue's drag per Mm se. And I, that kind of stuff like has always like been at a disadvantage for them. Yeah. No, that's, that's certainly something that happens by the end of the season. Definitely. But usually in the last couple of years, it's they, they've in the first handful of challenges, eliminated a lot of the more again avant-garde or just not ruse style i guess right or not comedy either yeah or, yeah. yeah um queen so you know hopefully that that won't be the case this season uh, i think we can both agree that james mansfield is out of there barring a oh, particular so, turnaround next week so quickly out of there so quickly yeah yeah. Sorry, James. <laughs> I like, and again, I just, it's, I thought Gaga actually was a really terrific judge. Her, yeah. uh, her comments were like right on. And the thing she said, well, James is, this person is, they're, they're hiding. They don't, they aren't comfortable and they aren't letting us see them. Um, and that came through 
Yeah, like crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to this season of Drag Race. You know, I love Drag Race. Um, And uh, are you excited now that it's on VH1 so you don't have to pay for it? (laughs) I am very excited that it's on VH1 so I don't have to pay for it. So I'm excited about that because it makes up for the fact that I'm paying for Underground this season. (laughs) Oh, no. Uh, Well, our next show here in This Week in Reality is The Amazing Race premiere. We're coming for you, Phil, which mostly I just wanted to mention because I – the only reason I know that the amazing race is back is because, um, some of the Rob has a podcast people like popped up in my feed. So people like plugging, writing about the amazing race is the way that I knew that it was back at all. Um, so that's not good. That's not good. That's not, but you're good also CBS. like, how much of CBS are you watching right now? Kate? Oh, none. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. None, but still, <laughs> I mean, we're, we're in our little Twitter sphere of, of TV discussion you know like yeah they i feel like we should have known it was coming back yeah but so much oxygen is getting sucked up by big little lies right now so i feel like there's not a lot of room for anything else Fair at enough. the moment this this season they have um everybody came individually and they they picked teams after oh, interesting. First part of the challenge so we'll see how that affects affects the the gameplay um the that i think a lot of times actually ends up being in the benefit of people i think it could be a benefit more than anything because theoretically anybody who's there should really want to win and that was something that we saw last season when they did like the date whole dating thing um with the couples that already knew each other and the couples who were just meeting there um where they're trying to get a love connection in a creepy phil way he's still going for that again this season which is again that's weird i like phil Phil. but he's kind of a creeper yeah a little bit a little bit he's always just there like Mm -hmm. hanging out at that mad and it's just like phil you got better things to do man Stop just hanging out at the mat. Stop, like, trying to get them to talk about how attractive the other one is, please. Please just, please stop. It's it's uncomfortable. Um, But, yeah, so what we discovered with last season was the people who were set up when they got there didn't really care about a setup. They wanted to win a million dollars. Right. <laughs> because the people who were who had come as a couple, one of them really wanted to win a million dollars. The other one really would very much like to, but was there mostly because they got some someone else wanted them to do it, so they did it. Yeah. Um, so, so we'll see how that affects the play, I guess. But there are some interesting teams. Uh, no, no one I remember. But like mm-hmm. when I was watching it, or when I was, I should say, when I was spreadsheeting and it was on the background, uh, it was it was just fine. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't. I was very ready for. I was surprised how ready I was for Top Chef to come back. I was very ready for Drag Race to come back. I don't really care that Amazing Race is back. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that because I know how much you enjoy on the whole Amazing Race. Yeah. So. You know what I did very much enjoy? Uh, Planet Earth 2. Mm-hmm. And particularly, like, it's ridiculous, Noel. Like, this footage they have, like, it looks all CGI because it's so <laughs> insanely crisp. Like, it doesn't even look real. The colors are so bright and vibrant. Right. And, I mean, just imagine it, like, in, like, that ridiculous 4K stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, Which... No, you don't need to. You, if you're thinking about upgrading to 4K TV, you really do not need to do that. But, you just give me that money. <laughs> yeah, just send us the money instead, and yeah. we'll do something with it. But no, I agree in that the quality of the footage, just on a sheer aesthetic image quality level, is really just stellar. Even the city stuff is really, really great when they have to go to like friggin' night vision. I have never seen night vision look that good before. Right? 
It was ridiculous. It was like, is this a video game or what is happening? No, that is real life. That's so amazing. <laughs> no, like they're so... following a vole, like on, like underneath or the no, it wasn't a vole. It was it was something else. It was a mouse or whatever in the grasslands, like yeah. underneath in between, and it's feeding its face. Like, how did they? Do they just have like a like a like one of those little pinhole cameras or something? Like, how did they get that? And they don't answer that in the making of episode. And mm-hmm. I was really upfront. I was really upset because I was just like, I really appreciated you guys showing us the camera traps getting destroyed. And I like the fact that you showed us the whole thing with the Falcons because that was the big question I had. But I also really wanted to know how you guys got into those burrows. <laughs> <laughs> what was the highlight of Planet Earth 2 for you? Um... I really liked um, Islands and Mountains, um, especially which are the first two episodes. I think are just really, really fabulous episodes. Uh, particularly, I like Mountains uh, because that's an, that's the episode with the uh, snow leopards. Mm-hmm. And snow leopards, as the documentary like emphasizes, are just like practically non-existent. So the fact that they managed to find not only two but four of them. And their um, interplay and everything was just really compelling and really, really interesting. And it, it was, it's one of the best things about planet earth in general, but getting a sense of how these, um, especially these increasingly endangered species are, are forced to survive and what our impact on their survival is, is really makes for very compelling television but also makes for very compelling food for thought about where we are and the the series is very invested in that idea not necessarily as invested as it sometimes should be i think um at least in terms of with the cities episode uh which has like a weird sort of vibe to me anyway but i just i really like both of those episodes in terms of showing really isolated communities i think in ways that jungles desert grasslands don't necessarily feel as scum, uh, as isolated or as self-contained in a lot of ways as islands and mountains do, because these are very specific habitats that only lend themselves to these particular types of animals to survive if they can survive. So I really liked that. Uh, the only other thing that stood out to me is the fact that, man, birds are really serious about making their nests, Kate. Oh, yeah, they are. <laughs> And attracting the ladies with those nests. Oh, yeah. yes. They will mess you up if you get too close. Yeah, definitely. Oh, that poor bird thinking mm-hmm. that that was a female. Oh, I felt for him. Hmm. Felt for that bird and having his heart literally stolen. <laughs> I, what about I, you? What stood out uh, for you in this? As, as so often, well, it happened with you, for me with Planet Earth 1 as well, like the original Planet Earth, but um, so much of it for it. So much of it for me is the the moments. So like sure. that giraffe kicking the shit out of that lion. Like it's don't, pretty great. Don't mess with a giraffe. Note to self. Because <laughs> um, you don't think of that. You know, you don't you, right. you think of the lions taking down the giraffe. You don't think of the giraffe winning in that moment. Um, a pigeon like almost getting eaten by a fish. Like oh, what? you haven't seen those before? No, that's no. a thing. Those fish are insane. You should go to Netflix. Um, there's a series called Monster Fish. There's an entire episode devoted to these fish. It's wild. It's yeah. completely and completely mind-boggling wild. That's crazy. So, like, just 
so of course it's just such an amazing i was i was talking to some of my family's like see it's like why do i need a zoo i have planet earth this right. is and amazing zoos, zoos are bad anyway um there's complicated issues around zoos uh yeah right. certainly yeah they're like well, the, I mean, the most generous you could be about them right and i mean i have complicated like things with like planet earth and in general, I think, uh, but not as complicated as zoos. So, no, I'm right there with you that a lot of like the larger type, the moment type of things really kind of stick with you a lot. But also just like things with like the grasslands and like their exploration with bugs and that little snippet of how they like explore bugs by just putting a camera on a crane really far away and then like slowly lowering it so that they don't disturb anything so it doesn't go away. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And just the, again, just all these little bits of synch- uh, of symbiosis, I guess. So, like, the yeah. in the grassland ones, I think it was grassland, like, the, the, the ants that chew up the, that cut down the grass, but they don't eat grass. They put the grass in the ground and feed the fungus, and then they eat the fungus. Like, yeah. that it's just amazing. It's just amazing what we can see happening right in front of us. And it's the, that window to parts of the world that I will never see likely, um, is just so it's such, it's, it's an amazing thing that it's worth appreciating that we are able to do this. This is a thing that we can do and we can see and we can experience vicariously. Um, it's pretty amazing. It is. It, it really, really is. Even if I kind of object to the whole, we're going to put a Hollywood action sound score to this thing. And I'm kind of like, well, this is kind of an everyday occurrence for these, but turning this into an action movie to make me feel about it and like positioning a snake and a bird as like foes is kind of a weird position to be in. I don't necessarily know that I needed that degree of anthropomorphization to, but that's always the fun. There's so many snakes. Right, is exactly, is exactly like that. And it's just like, A, it stresses me out, but B, it's just like, this isn't like a non-everyday occurrence. This is a everyday occurrence of survival type of thing, and it's just part of that cycle. But it, when it gets reframed as like an action set piece, which is, let's not kid ourselves, that's very much what this is, is an action set piece in terms of its scoring, in terms of slow motion, so that we can fetishize the image in a lot of ways is it feels really kind of exploitive in some ways but at the same time like again like you were saying this is a sense of the world that we're not going to have before so being able to soak it in is really nice but i just always kind of balked at that kind of a thing so that's why i always like the episodes that didn't necessarily lean too heavily on that uh, even though, like, one of the examples that we're talking about with the the, lez- the lizards and the snakes is in islands, but still. Yeah. 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 No, I hear you. Uh, I mean, yeah. I was It's a weird hang-up. It it's a weird hang-up, I know. I was it's a very weird like, hang-up. I'm glad they didn't Pre- use pre-existing <laughs> scoring, so I couldn't be distracted by identifying <laughs> the composers. That's more what I was thinking, but, you know, that's, that's, that's me. I'm my own special... Special snowflake, I guess. We're all very special (laughs) snowflakes on this podcast. Uh, Let's move on to our weekend drama. And first up is 13 Reasons Why. And that uh, dropped on Netflix today as we record. I've seen the first episode. You've seen much of the first season. Yeah. Um, I am a little, after the first episode, I'm a little torn. Um, I'm a 
big i really appreciate dylan manette he's been somebody that he's the lead of the show he's someone that i've uh enjoyed following for several years at this point certainly on awake and before that even on some other shows too he's a terrific young actor uh so that when i saw he was the lead in this i was i was interested after the first episode i was like i can see that it's probably good but i am having so much trouble with the narration and it's just so angsty teen Mm-hmm. I, I have to keep reminding myself that she's that the main character, or the the narrator, not the main character, but the narrator is dead, because um, I just kind of want to smack her, um, and I feel like that's really wrong. It's really not what they're going for, but I have a hard time with any show is uh, as accurate as that is to the experience of so many teens and of what life is for teenagers in a lot of places. I really have a hard time with that teen persona. Uh, this horrible stuff has happened to her, clearly. Even just in the first episode, we see her dealing with stuff she should never have to deal with. Um, but I also, like, I, I'm, I'm not feeling compelled to watch more yet. I feel like I needed a break because of the tone of the show and of that character and the fact that i mean she's she's judging everyone from the grave for her decision um and i i are we supposed to engage with that does the show engage with that further yes okay so i i you recommend checking out more obviously you watched a lot of it Right, I watched a lot of it. Here's the thing, is that I'd recommend that you watch more. I'd recommend that you just, like, watch one or two at a time. Okay. And just do it that way. Like, take a, take some time between episodes, basically. Because a lot of what happens when, like, okay, let me preface this by saying I think that this show is very, very good. Okay. And it's really, really well acted, um, especially um, from some of the teens. Um, but also, like, Kate Walsh shows up as Hannah's mom. Mm-hmm. And she just burrows in. And she's fantastic in this. She's just really, really good in this. I've been waiting for her to get a good project. I, I and, was bummed that Bad Judge did not become something that she really <laughs> excel at. And right. I, I'm being serious, though. <laughs> I know you are. Yeah, no, I know you are. But I also was also just remembering Bad Judge for the first time in years. <laughs> um, so that's why I laughed. But, but she really burrows in and she delivers, like I think, a really powerful performance here. Um, so I think this is really good. I think that this is something to watch, um, tonally. Um, it's, it's, it's just, it's really good. And I think a lot of like what you're responding to is speaks to why it's good is that there's this degree of authenticity to it in the voicing and everything that rings throughout the episode until it hits some of the dramatic issues, dramatic structural issues that kind of hold it back and this is the big reason why i recommend that you watching only one at two at a time is because of um minette's character clay only listens to the tapes like one at a time as opposed to like all at once like any reasonable person would do yeah and they do that to like keep the action going and but it also results in a really repetitive sense of drama sometimes and characters kind of keep having the same conversations over and over and over again. And what Clay does is that he listens to a tape 
and then just starts yelling at the people that the tape is about or interrogating them without like listening to the other tapes. And it, it becomes this weird thing in which it's all well acted and put together enough that I don't necessarily mind. But when you watch them all at once, the seams for the why they need to keep this going for 13 episodes because oh my gosh kate it's so long at 13 episodes 8 to 10 and we could have been out and it would have been much much better but they couldn't give up the ghost on the hey there are 13 sides to this tape we should do 13 episodes i think that's a good idea guys and they couldn't give up that ghost so but a lot of this is really good in terms of the acting and the writing and everything and the spinning it out to a larger community, which is something that happens towards the end of episode two, but they really lean in on episode three is really jarring because episodes one and two are very Hannah and clay driven and their perspective driven. So when we shift to some of the other people that the tapes are about and to the families and then to the principal and the administrator of the school, it feels a little unwieldy, but then you realize that the show, some of the tapes aren't enough to necessarily propel an entire episode the way that they are in the early going and then towards the end. So there's the Netflix sag settles in a little bit later for me than it does sometimes, but you can see that they were just, they were trying to figure out ways to keep the show afloat for 13 episodes for no reason other than that. I think they just really liked the device and the symmetry of things. So that's the reason why in part, I tell you to do it like one or two and then take a break, come back to it. But the other reason is that it's just a low key depressing show as you would expect from the premise, but it is legitimately a low key depressing show in any number of ways for a number of things that happen over the course of the season. And that whereas some, whereas if this were show were a little lighter or a little more feel good, huggy, you could see it on free form, but because it refuses to disengage it refuses to like disengage from that premise from its premise that it's just a low-key depressing show and again to your point about um, Nanette just being really really good is that he has to play a lot of the same things over and over again again getting back to the kind of repetitive nature of the drama but each time it's really good and each time it gets another layer of just you can really feel where Clay is coming from even if sometimes he doesn't feel so much as a character as someone, one of the pieces I've read about the show described him as a mirror. And I think that's really a really good description of clay, but I do think that it's a mirror that keeps getting weighed down by everything he's hearing and that he doesn't know what to do. And it gets really bound up in how much this is hurting him to hear all of this. And I really liked that, that the show just doesn't back off from the sheer amount of pain that this is causing him and what all of this triggers around him as well, because he refuses to give up. He doesn't listen as quickly as everyone else does. And that creates a lot of problems. And so it's, it's good. It's really good. And it's also a really good entry for Netflix is like a teen show because they don't have this really. And I think this is an untapped market for them in terms of their original programming. And to that point, like this is the first show on Netflix. I think that I can think of that has a viewer discretion warning on it. And that was kind of weird to me to see that come up when I was watching the episode today. Hmm. Yeah. So recommended. 
it's, if it doesn't grab you by like the third or fourth episode, I would bail. Um, but that's typically my rule of thumb anyway. But in this case, it's very much if you're not in by th- three or four, I would just kind of go into something else. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, I checked out Rebel, which premiered on BET, and um, this is a show about a former, by the end of the pilot, spoiler alert, by the end of the pilot, former cop um, turned PI, who she's going to start like freelancing as, a, as an investigator by the end of the pilot, um, who has, I guess, to keep things spoiler-free-ish, except for the spoiler I already said, has a traumatic experience and there's an officer involved shooting that she's involved in um, that leads her to um, stop being a cop. And, um, and so then, so then she's, you're dealing with her, you're dealing with her family, you're dealing with her community and her friends and um, her, like where, where she's at, as a as an officer and as a an individual and watching her branch out into investigations um, which is not something that she's done before but it's something that she can enjoy and um this was i thought solid i'm sure there are people who will like it a lot more and a lot less than i did but i i, I really enjoyed the tone of the show when it was the main character rebel and her friend working the case that they were doing. And that had that catchy energy of like trying to solve a cape or trying to solve a crime, trying to put the pieces together kind of a thing that really, um, that's the reason we watch detective shows talking about murder. She baked. I mean, this, (laughs) the, the fun of watching these characters try to figure out what's going on is, in Rebel is why I like detective shows. So, um, or PI shows, whatever you want to call it. So I actually had a lot of, of fun with this one. There's a, a terrific cast and the, some of the standouts for me in the first episode is the, the lead is terrific, but also, uh, Giancarlo Esposito shows up as a police Lieutenant. Um, um, Michael T. Williamson is, um, is her dad. I want to say, um, and, and there, but there are like, it's the whole, cast of really interesting faces people you will have seen before and people you should probably should know better i know that i should know their work better than i do so uh yeah i had a lot of fun with this one it wasn't it didn't like immediately grab me i must go proselytize for it sure but i'm certainly very interested to see what it becomes and if it captures and retains that energy that i was seeing particularly in the investigative scenes uh, early on in this one. So um, the, be warned, the premiere is two hours and like an hour and a half without commercials. So uh, it's a double premiere. But um, yeah, if you're looking for another detective show, if you're looking for a um, quasi-procedural, quasi-perhaps serialized, I feel like you could do a hell of a lot worse than Rebel. Okay, cool. Uh, no, this is something I meant to check out and then so much stuff happened this week, Kate. And <laughs> yes, it did. I kind of forgot about it. Also, I don't know that I... I mean, I also watched 12 hours of 13 Reasons Why Not. I don't know that I would have had space for a two-hour pilot. Understandable. Um, right, but uh, yeah, Singleton directed the pilot, and he's an executive producer on the show. Uh, but it was created by uh, Amani Walker. Okay. Yeah, and that's John Singleton, of course, the, the famous director. So, 
we the 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 first episode looks good um it'll be interesting to see if they can maintain that style moving forward uh, when they don't have him but um yeah I, I look for i would like to hear from, uh, if other people checked out rebel let me know what you thought of it there's some, some scenes that i'm not sure how i feel about i'll have mm-hmm. to see more to determine if this is a character thing if this is a pilot thing if this is i don't really want to say too much about it because i want to see how the show handles some of its interpersonal relationships and some of the the world building that it has mm-hmm. um so we'll see. But I, I liked what I saw. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, cool. Next up is Underground uh, Knockout. And was the wait for Kato worth it? Yes. Was the wait for Kato worth it for you? Absolutely. Yes. Oh, it was so good. Uh, so we got uh, to see what Kato did after. Well, we didn't get to see how he escaped. But <laughs> that, that situation he was left with. But we do get to see what he did with all that money. <laughs> <laughs> And it was go overseas and buy some art and become cultured, basically, for want of a better term. And it was really, really good. Like, I really enjoyed all of these flashbacks to him with uh, the woman whose name I can't remember. Uh, Do you remember her name? His fiance. His fiance that he meets and, like, how he leaves her behind, basically. But how she, like inspires him to do a number of things while he's over there and betterment but also embracing this idea of anger and everything and how we can mobilize that um i just i I just it was really really good but also just the fact that we there's there's suddenly like a lot of layers to kato and i'm very happy about that yes definitely um what did you think of the the stuff that we got with um, Jessica the Gow's character and Georgia. Elizabeth and right. Georgia, yeah. I really liked that. I mean, we were like leaning towards like this radicalization with Elizabeth that I was feeling like last week. Oh, but it's to coming. Ha- <laughs> it's coming. And oh, she's gonna be joining up with John Brown and it's gonna be great. Uh but also I just I, I one of the things I really liked about that whole sequence, but also with like the John Brown existing on the fringes goes back to like our discussion last week about the civil war and everything about how history is starting to encroach on the narrative in a lot of really interesting ways, a much more obvious way than it was last season. And I really like that. It gives the show like it, it keeps the show from feeling insular in a lot of ways, um, which worked for last season, but I don't know how well it would have worked for this season. And I like how all of that's being deployed, but I'm I am so here for Elizabeth really getting deeply radicalized. But I like this how firebrandy she's becoming and how impassioned she became on that speech where started off very timid and like reading and then increasingly getting impassioned and driven and just all of that coming to the forefront with her. And I just I really liked that a lot. And I legitimately think that's the best I've seen Jessica Gow in anything yeah, so I, far. Yeah, I absolutely and, agree. She sold the crap out of it. Yeah, yeah. The uh, She needs to, um, I, I'm looking, I'm totally here for Elizabeth, like, on the edge, like, hardcore abolitionist mm-hmm. lady. Um, I do think it will be better for her <laughs> um, to listen to Georgia. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> better for her health and safety and sanity. Um, but that is not necessarily what TV wants to give us. 
Um, I'm glad that we got a little bit of resolution of where Rosalie's at. Put her that there, she's in a holding pattern for now. Um, we got enough information about that, which was good. It probably was good to get a week off from from Steen. Um, but yeah, it was all this was all Cato for me, and also Noah. Um, yeah, and and so seeing. Yeah, their scenes, but particularly all the stuff we got with Cato, I think was the really, really the highlight. And it just yeah. Remember when they first introduced Roman Zazo and uh, <laughs> and Jim the Virgin, and I was like, oh, this cast is really good. It's a shame about Zazo. I'm so glad to be so wrong. It was the writing, not the actor, because he's been terrific all through the first season, and he's terrific here as well. And it's just. <sighs> they're having so much fun in the second season of underground and I am, I'm just loving it so much. Yeah, I am too. And just his whole realization that he's just going to be like, yeah, we're going to burn this mother down. <laughs> and I'm just like, yes, I'm here for Kato burning things down. <laughs> Definitely. We did not mention, and we got called out for it rightfully. We did not mention, uh, Miss Angela Bassett last week. Yeah. I feel bad that we didn't mention Angela Bassett, yeah. but in my, in our defense, like, Th- that episode was so packed and I got a text from my friend going like, I need you to send me cat gifts right now because I just watched under last week's underground. <laughs> and I just went, yes, you do need cat gifts. So there was just so much, but yeah, I can't believe we didn't mention Angela Bassett. Yeah. Yeah. Please continue to call us out listeners when we overlook significant elements of these episodes. Um, but on that note, we're running along. So I'm going to move us over to the good fight. Oh, okay. Not so grand jury. And did we need this whole episode? No. No. Do I care if because I got to watch Elsbeth be awesome? No. I'll t- I'll take watching Elsbeth be awesome. And we had Aaron Tevitt um mm-hmm. come back and whose entire job seemed to make Matthew Perry look really old and really paunchy was apparently <laughs> Tevitt's whole job this week, but in Perry's defense, Tevitt would make me look really old and really paunchy and I weigh 100 pounds. So <laughs> everyone also uh again good wife good fight sorry kings uh can you just write in some start writing in some karaoke scenes please please (laughs) to keep casting broadway people and not letting them sing right so um this episode's fine insofar as it just was like oh right you haven't cared about the rendell plot so we need to make you care about the rendell plot because no one's cared about the rendell plot um so it needed to have like have some overlap with everything else that was mattering to the show. And so that's why it happens here. Um, Though I feel like this episode was like a climax in a lot of ways because like it ended like the big series season arc that we've had with um, Chris Davis DOJ investigation seems pretty well kiboshed. um, But who's, who's to say with the Kings, Mm -hmm. but also just the fact that, it's very firmly, I think, and this is what I'm really excited about, is that Diane and Maya finally had a scene together <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't about her family, really. <laughs> um, and I was very excited about that because I thought that this show was going to be about the two of them like being a powerhouse in a lot of ways. And the show has not been that because Maya's been wrapped up in Rindell world. And Diane's been wrapped up in not wanting to pay $2,000 a month for a studio apartment. And so they've they've been really separated for too long. But now I feel like Maya's declaration of loyalty here 
is sort of the kick in the pants that I need for both of them to start interacting more. And hopefully we'll get to see Maya do something other than talk urgently on her cell phone. <laughs> um, so I, I'm, I'm interested to see what the next three episode three, eight, nine, ten, Yeah. Three episodes of the show are going to be as we go into this home stretch. And I really hope that it's going to shift to that kind of character thing that I thought the show was going to be. And then they just went right politics. So yeah. How did you feel about all of that? Like kind of coming to a head. I just had so much fun with this episode that Mm -hmm. I didn't really care about other issues that are there. Um, Okay. Well, that's good though. Yeah. That, that means that they're doing their job. Um, the, the stuff with, with Maya and her father, she's like, I'm sorry. If it's me, I put my cell phone out and show them that I'm turning off the recording and I have a backup recording with a burner in my purse still. I mean, come on. You use your fiance cell phone. She's yeah. right there. I mean, like, and of course her dad could easily and probably is doing that same thing. Now I noted that she didn't say anything incriminating when she was talking to her dad. Yeah. But still like, I was like, this means nothing. He's like, he's like, ooh, see this light? I've turned off this light. Ha ha. It's like, and? You have so many pockets. This is a very large room with a lot of lamps, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> or vases or whatever. Like, it's just, that was supposed to be very meaningful to me. Or it seemed like it was supposed to be very meaningful, and it, it wasn't to me at all. Um, I continue to enjoy the politics of the firm but i would like to see a bit um a bit more of like we know diane is awesome it'd be nice to see her earn her position there more than just with chum hum when they could easily just leave at any at any point yeah um so we'll see you know we'll see what happens in the last three uh, I like the little snippets we get. I like that they ha- they brought back the same subpoena guy. <laughs> it's oh, fun. God. I love that that he's apparently the only subpoena messenger in all of Chicago. <laughs> and he's like, "Y'all, please keep suing each other because this is awesome." <laughs> um, but the, the peeks inside to their the different people's lives I thought were nice. I mean, the the cooking class was a bit on the nose. Like you don't have to sure. have him be like per like and it's even I didn't believe it for a second, even just his stance and like when he was starting like I don't believe that you do this a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Delroy Lindo, you managed to have a moment or a scene where I didn't I didn't believe the motivation. I wasn't buying it. Um and that's what it took, apparently. Um but um but it's nice it's like a neat thing that he does cooking classes, you know. Right. For funnies. It's kind of the stuff that I want from Barbara a lot, who Yeah is in part okay not in part it's almost entirely motivated by the fact that i've already watched erica tazel do this already yeah (laughs) and it's just like i don't need to see this again from her i want her to get something really juicy and so i'd like to see her life outside a little bit but i'd also even though i get the sense that she's very much like the managing partner so i get the sense that she probably doesn't go to court a whole lot and that's fine but i would actually like to see her in court at least once or twice And just to see how she got to being a named partner, basically. Uh, Since I don't think we're ever going to see Reddick this season. Uh, We'll probably see him next season, maybe, or her next season. Mm -hmm. Um, But, I mean, we also got to see Jonas Stern in season one, so who knows? (laughs) But I'd like to see how Barbara got up here. Because, I mean, we know how Adrian got here. Because Adrian's great in court. 
uh he's very will gardner in court um so but yeah i i'm i'm eager for more uh and now that we've hopefully well we're gonna still have to wrap up the rendell stuff and find out who was lying or who was scheming and nobody cares um (laughs) but we'll find out and then season two maybe they'll they don't need to rejigger something but they need once maya's family is hopefully like gone or minimized i think will be a big boon to the show because then that means also there'll be plenty of time for marissa being awesome some more (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i always enjoy marissa being awesome um you can tell if there are other issues with an episode if if you take one piece out and the whole thing falls apart yeah. And if you have any anybody other than Carrie Preston, as, Carrie Preston as Elsbeth doing this, I don't think this episode works. Yeah. Um, I don't think all the back and forth works like at all. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know that they as long as they don't keep going back to the same well, like I really am. I'm super enjoying the the back and forth with Preston and Perry. I think they've got really terrific chemistry and they've built the the relationship between them very 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 quickly but very well in these past handful of episodes they've also given a lot more shading to elsbeth than we've ever seen before with the stuff with with um his wife christina's wife like that was Mm -hmm. some like shadier stuff i would not have thought that would be something elsbeth would do or be comfortable doing so that was very interesting but um yeah i think they can't keep going back to isn't isn't Elspeth so precious? So I really enjoyed it here, but we'll see. You know, hopefully they come up with some new things as as that animosity or that that um, sparring match continues in this season and the next. Uh, my last thing is Kevin Pollock, a nice addition as Judge Gallo. I certainly enjoyed him. Oh man, that was that was fantastic. And that a new really... judge. Yeah, yeah, and it was just it was really good, and I liked how just angry and grumpy he was the entire time. Yep. Delightful. And rightfully so. And rightfully so. <laughs> <laughs> well, what wins your week in reality and drama? Uh, underground, pretty easily. Uh, also, like, we've talked about the music licensing, but the music this week was really good again. And, yeah, it, yeah underground all the way. What about you? Yeah, no, definitely underground. Um, yeah, with a little tip of the hat to to Drag Race. But, yeah, underground. Because they're again, they're just having such a good season, and it, like, how am I supposed to compare Underground and RuPaul's Drag Race? Come on! Well, you did this to yourself when you decided which categories to put together. That's true. I had I nothing to do with this. That this is this is my <laughs> doing. Um, a few show notes here. You can find a post for this episode up at theteleverse.org, which is the website for the podcast. You can email us theteleverse at gmail.com, as well as, of course, leave a comment at the website. You can also like our page on Facebook, start up a conversation there. You can find us with an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed in iTunes. We would appreciate ratings and reviews there. And we're up in Stitcher. We would appreciate ratings and reviews there. Um, and then, of course, we're both on uh, Twitter. I am at the Televerse. Noel, you are? At Noel RK, and you can find me writing about uh, Flash and Good Wife when they're on the air in Flash's case uh, at tvguide.com. And you can find my review of this last week's episode of Legends of Tomorrow over at the AV Club. Now we will take a quick break and come back with a 30-day TV challenge, which we're going to do in about 30 seconds each. So we'll see how it goes. If that. That's the goal. (laughs) We'll see what happens. We'll be right back after this. 
We are back for our end segment here this week, and we are going to be taking the the 30-day TV challenge. Um, challenge. The idea being that every day you answer one, or you pick one answer for each, you know, question um we're gonna do it back and forth and do you want to be in charge of the timer uh yeah i can put uh, like how much of a timer are we supposed to spend like a minute yeah for each number we're both gonna do it give our answers and no more than a minute on that number between the two of us okay cool all right um all right hope if if we hear the buzzer i apologize (laughs) it's okay (laughs) that's okay okay Are, are you ready to do this I'm all set. Now, listeners, we have not looked at the, this list ahead of time other than what we've seen on Twitter because it's been going on Twitter for a while now. Yeah. Um, but I've never paid attention to anyone's choices. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> so you can follow along at home and let us know what you think as well. Um, yeah, I look forward to getting people's answers. But are you you're ready, Noel? I'm all set. Okay. Start the timer. Let's do this. Okay. Day one. We're starting. A show that should never have been canceled. Uh, no, this is really easy for me. It's Rubicon. Why did they cancel Rubicon, Kate? <laughs> I'm still really upset about this, and it's been almost a decade, maybe? I don't know, but I'm still really upset about it. And I will I will always miss James Badge Dale as that poor, bereaved intelligence agent, and I feel like that that show would have become increasingly relevant in its paranoia. <laughs> and, oh my god, I'm thinking about a Rubicon this day and age, and Oh, God, all the Russian stuff. Okay, no, wait. Maybe I take that back. Um, what about you? Okay, well, I have several things came immediately to mind. Um, but the ones, the trio, I'm, I'm going comedy with this, which I know yeah. will surprise some of my fellow Whedon uh, f- uh, fangirls. But uh, I, I immediately went to Better Off Ted and Enlisted and Ben and Kate. So of those three, it's tough. Uh, I'm going to go with Ben and Kate. Because, like, NatFax won an Oscar, like, the month after it got canceled. And, obviously, Dakota Johnson has gone on to many, you know, high-profile things, most specifically the Fifty Shades series. And Echo Kellum is always terrific. And Lucy Punch, are you kidding me? She needs to be on my TV, and she isn't. And she would have been if people had just kept Ben, on the, ben Kate on the air. Um, so I'm going, I'm going for that one. Uh, more recent, probably not one that a lot of people would think of, but one that I certainly remember fondly. Uh, okay. Uh, day two, a show that you wish more people were watching. Which should I... we just say this together? <laughs> uh, well, you give your answer to save time. Um, uh, no, it's uh, it's it's Steven Universe, as mm-hmm. we've said multiple times on this show. Uh, but I'll also toss Underground into the mix, and I'll give you extra time to talk since. I filibustered my way through that last question, so go ahead. Oh, I don't need it. Everybody who listens to this podcast knows how we feel about Steven Universe. Um, yeah. It's not currently, right now, airing, So, yeah. but then I was going to go with Underground, <laughs> too. Because, yeah. again, I feel like that is under-discussed. Like, under I feel like a lot of people, just like we said with Samurai Jack, too, but I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, that's a thing, but they haven't actually spent any time seeking it out or, or certainly catching up with it, so... But, you know, for, for any show that is currently has new episodes coming down the pike, Steven Universe for currently airing like right now, Underground. Okay, day three, your favorite new show that aired this TV season. This one is trickier uh, for me than it is for you. 
Is it? I'm trying to think of what it is for me. <laughs> oh, I thought I knew your uh, answer. Well, why don't you tell me what my answer is? A good place. <laughs> oh, that did air this season. Oh my god, I'm so tired, Kate. But no, it is. It is. It is the good place. No, it is very clearly the good place. Oh, that show is my happy place as well as being the good place. Ah, uh, yeah. No, you know me so much better than apparently I know myself. You should just answer for me for the rest of this segment. Uh, what about you? What is your favorite new show so far this season? Uh, it's tricky. I think what the one that came to mind first, and that's what I'm going with on this. I'm going with instinct and yeah. gut. Uh, was one yeah. day at a time. Which yeah, is, good choice. Just been so, so like it takes a little bit to get going, but by the end of the season, it's just such a satisfying last run of episodes, and it's really delightful and fun. And I'm so glad it's coming back for a season two. Um, day four, your favorite show ever. Uh, oh, uh, 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 Cheers, Quantum Leap, Batman, the animated series. Can I just merge all three of those all together? Three into, into one. Into a show? Yeah. I think that would be the best show. Um, no, I think I'll go with Cheers as, like, my favorite show ever. It's just something I can watch any time, period. And I will be a very, very happy person. Uh, what about you? Well, my answer, my go-to answer is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And sure. there... I'm pretty sure there will come a point where that is maybe no longer the case. Yeah. Um, if I like actually watched a bunch of things again and like reevaluated at a different point in my life, do what I have a different favorite show of all time. Um, but I have, that's a lot of work. So I haven't done that yet. <laughs> so I'm going to my standby and the fact that I can just like watch entire like episodes or entire seasons in my brain without needing to watch it because that's how oh, well you I, have three seconds left it. to name this show i feel like i just have to go with buffy so <laughs> that's what i'm going with okay next is day five a show you hate it says do you think this means currently running or just any show ever i think it means it might mean any show ever um but like the only show that i can feel like that i've actively hated recently was stalker mm-hmm. and i feel like that's a really easy answer but it's like it's legitimately the only show I have hated that I have watched in a long time that wasn't like that. I watched an episode of and thus didn't feel qualified in my hate, but I watched all of stalker. So I feel qualified in all of my hate. What about you? Oh, well there's stalker. There's the following. Um, I've really uh, hate a lot of oh, like yeah. criminal, the criminal minds series, mm-hmm. which just again, glories in pain, suffering and torturing, especially women and children. Um, so any of those, like there's, there's a number that come to mind. So I'll just, I'll go with, I mean, yes, they're easy answers, but yeah. they're, those are shows that I feel like make the people who watch them worse. They are, mm-hmm. they are worsened from the experience of having watched it. Not everyone ever, but that's just, I think that they're bad. I think there are forces for badness in our world. Um, so next up is day six, favorite episode of your favorite TV show. So I'm taking you at Cheers. What's your favorite episode of Cheers? Uh, I really like the, oh, this is a tough call between Thanksgiving Orphans, which I think is incredible. And also the season two finale with the painting mm-hmm. and Sam going, wow. Um, it's just really, really good and really, really powerful. Um, so I'll split the difference with those two episodes and turn it over to you. What's your favorite episode of Buffy then? Oh my God. There's so many. I don't, I, it's I don't know. Money girl, okay, how many it? seconds do I have? 
You have 23 seconds. 23 seconds. Okay. Um, okay. So things that immediately come to mind are obviously um, the body. Are you kidding me? Um, uh, hush, which uh, not as much in condition, but okay. So certainly the body and once more with feeling come to mind. Fool for love comes to Five mind. Five seconds. Um, I'm just going to be cliche and go with the body. It just breaks me every time. It's so good. Um, and the wish too, but it's something blue, but whatever. Okay. Um, next is least favorite episode of your favorite TV show. This is where there being 11 seasons of a show makes it really difficult for me to pick out a least favorite. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm not entirely sure that I can come up with one. I'm sure it's a Rebecca episode or uh, from that era, but I'm not sure I can think of one. I think it's probably the closest I could come up with is, and I didn't hit start, so I bought us some extra time, <laughs> is probably the one where Robin comes back. And everyone's tearing apart the bar. And then she's trying to convince him that he she's no longer money-grubbing, even though we all know she is and she knows she is. And it's just, as much as I like Roger Rees in that role, it's a really pointless episode and it's not very good. But it's also the first one that came to mind. But yeah, so I'll go with that. What's your least favorite episode of Buffy? And if you say Ted, you are wrong. Oh, well, I would not say Ted. None of that malarkey in my house, sir. Um, but... The one that everybody tends to go to is Beer Bad, but I actually find Beer Bad charming um, yeah. uh, quite a bit. Um, so I'm going to go to the one where they're, uh, where the wild things are, I think is what it's called. The, the one where they're having all the sex that turns the house into, um, like, Oh, that episode is kind of lousy, yeah. The trouble is with most Buffy episodes, even the really bad ones, uh, or the ones that aren't as great as the other ones, I should say more accurately, uh, there tends to be at least one part of it that's really good. So it also mm -hmm. could be a lot of the, like, season seven lecturing all day episodes right. but the one that comes to mind is i think it's called where the wild things are so okay. there's that one there's also the one where xander mansplains buffy's relationships and happiness to her um which is the one where riley leaves which is not good either but i'm, I'm gonna go with that one for now um okay next up is a i feel like we just answered this <laughs> number eight a show everyone should watch which is different than a show because like we want oh, to say no, Steven Universe, different. right? Right, yeah. But, but some no. people just can't get over animation. They're stupid, right. but they can't. So yeah. maybe that's a different... Like, what's the show that everyone should watch? Uh, well, if it's not Steven Universe, because everyone should watch Steven Universe. They, they um, should. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with Star Trek Next Generation for this, as I think it's a really good example of what Star Trek does well. It's also a really good example of what Star Trek doesn't do well sometimes. But it's a deeply humanistic show, and I think a lot of it is really, really good on the whole. So I'll go with that. What about you? Now, this one's tricky for me because a lot I'm, – I'm, my voice might sound a little weird because I'm craning to look at my DVD shelf here. Um, a lot of my Cheater. favorite shows are very distinct. So either they've got violence or swearing or nudity, which could be an issue, would be an issue for kids, or um, they have um, – they're comedies with a very distinct – style you know like mm -hmm. blackadder i love and i think is amazing but some people just aren't gonna like it or arrested development same thing five uh, seconds as and... children everyone should watch mr rogers neighborhood <laughs> okay because it's beautiful and teaches you to you know appreciate the world around you um okay so i'm gonna that's a cop-out answer but whatever next up is best scene ever Ooh. oh um Got, um, got response. 
Yeah, I don't, I mean, I have recency bias because of everything I've been talking about, so it's not really fair. It feels really weighted. Um, best scene ever is uh, Batman as Killer Croc saying, it was a really big rock. Uh, <laughs> no, that's, I think a line of dialogue is actually going to come up later, so you might want right, to save no, that. No, I'm going with it now, because now you only have 30 seconds to name your best scene ever. Oh, God, and all of the things, uh, I don't know. Um, how about, uh, I, I have nothing. My mind is utterly blank. I've, I have failed this question. Why? This is why we should have done some prep work, Kate. (laughs) Okay. Um, that's what the money's for? No, 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 no. Breaking bad Ozymandias, the fight scene into the, taking the the baby and leaving. That's what I'll do. That's what I'm going with. All right. Um, a show you thought you wouldn't like but ended up loving. Well, my answer is easy. Anyone who's listened to this podcast for quite a while knows the answer. Hannibal. Yeah, I feel like that's that's the correct answer across the board is since we all thought that was going to be terrible and it ended up not being terrible. So, right, Hannibal. Look at that, how much time we just made we up. just made up the time <laughs> that I wasted on the last answer. Okay, <laughs> uh, um, a show that disappointed you. Oh, there have been so many. Yeah. Um, let's see. Ah, uh, gosh. I mean, I mean, do we want to beat up on the hundred some more? Uh, Go for it. Hey, that's a terrific no. answer. Yeah, the the hundred was really really disappointing. Uh, so I'll go with the hundred. That was just uh, especially because I kept pushing it on people. The season before, it got really shitty. Yeah, and I so I feel really bad and very betrayed and very disappointed. Um, so what about you? You've got thirty seconds. Well, two come to mind. One is okay. much harsher than the other. One is actually a good show, and one started good and could have been. Stop great. preambling. Justified. Okay, but then it but then Ooh. it came back. Oh, okay. And yeah. and how I met your mother. Oh, awesome. Oh, wow, that's a really good choice. Yeah, I used to like make all of my friends watch early How I Met You to get them hooked, and yeah. then I felt so bad that I had done that later on. So. <laughs> Okay, day 12, an episode you've watched more than five times. And I probably shouldn't just say all of Buffy and all of Angel and all of Firefly. Right, you shouldn't do that. All of Lost and, you know. Right. Um, no, so what I will go with is, um, I will go with Sandwich Day from uh, 30 Rock. I've easily watched that episode at least 10 times. Um, just because it's pure 30 Rock and uh, I love it to pieces. I love Sandwich Day. Uh, what about you? I've definitely watched. Um, I've definitely watched the series premiere of Arrested Development, or so, certain of those episodes at least five times. And I felt like I haven't said Arrested Development a lot, so I'll go with that one. It just always, always makes me laugh. So if I need if I need to laugh and I don't feel like putting on on Buffy, then that's that's one that I will do. That I'll that I'll throw up. Um, okay. Um, day, uh, day thirteen. Favorite childhood show. Right, so Does this I'm going to show you watch as a child? Yes, I think that's what that would okay. mean. Um so I'm going to not let you answer um uh Mr. Rogers neighborhood. But <laughs> I'm also no, I'm not going to answer Batman cuz I really didn't watch Batman when I was like a kid. I like didn't watch it really like closely until college. So, um favorite childhood show is going to be yeah, yeah, it, it's going to be Darkwing Duck because I loved the shit out of that show. <laughs> yeah, it's it's Darkwing Duck. Okay. Uh, what about you? There's Sesame Street. Yeah. There's Wishbone because right. he was a beagle. He was adorable. Um, there is 
um, there were some other like edutainmenty kind of ones, but I mm-hmm. also watched TNG growing up a, a lot, yeah. and that was I have a fond place in my heart. But if, if like child childhood, probably Sesame Street, you know. Sure. You know, it's hard to it's hard to be a classic, you know. Um, then we have I'm getting lost here. Day fourteen favorite male character, all of the characters that have ever been characters. <laughs> no, you have to pick one. No, no, no. I'm saying that's of all the characters that have ever been characters. Who is your favorite male character? Right. No, you have to pick one, Kate. And oh, I'm, I'm going like first. To you. Oh, okay. I don't have an answer yet. Okay. And well, I'm um, you do. Well, I don't. But how about I'm looking over at my Friday Night Lights. How about how about Coach? <sighs> Fine. Pick Coach Taylor. Coach Taylor's um, pretty great. Or, or, or I mean, I, you can go with Al Swearingen, but I feel like that's kind of like, you know, that's kind of a, a really predictable answer. But I feel like. I feel like there's not enough. Props. Like Coach Taylor isn't a predictable answer for I feel someone like there's in our enough... age bracket. I feel like there's not enough props to the normal guys. Like I could also do like half of the Galactica cast, but you know, like that's true. I'm I'm just gonna I'm I'm gonna go you know more milk toast or more like like you know like less fantastical and just go yeah. and go I go with Coach Taylor. How about how okay. about you? Uh, I'm gonna go with Hawkeye Pierce for Mash. Uh-huh. Fair enough. Okay, favorite female character, and you're going first this time. No, uh, I've been going first a lot. Uh, I know we, we can switch off from now on. <laughs> uh, favorite female character is oh, who am I kidding? It's Liz Lemon. There's not really a contest <laughs> here. I was trying to hide something, but no, it's Liz Lemon. I love that nut job. Uh, who who's your favorite female character, Kate? My mind just immediately went to Starbuck. Uh, on on the Battlestar Galactica reboot because she's just she's so good. I I really enjoy it. despite all the stupid things that happened with that later on. I do still really enjoy that character. So that's who I'm gonna go with. Um, your guilty pleasure show and I'm up first. Um, I don't really have one because I don't tend to feel bad about liking. Right, we're in shows. about this. Yeah. So um, I don't know what. Right, I'm not sure that I can necessarily qualify that because i gave up the concept of a guilty pleasure like 17 years ago i mean i um, stuck with legends of shield agents of shield way longer than i should have and i yeah, knew but that it wasn't was just good, masochism and i was still watching <laughs> but i mean like i don't really have any because i you know we we find the meaning and the art in shows that a lot of other people don't respect but that's because they're yeah. silly yeah yeah um yeah i don't have one yeah i don't really so. have one okay next favorite miniseries uh this is a weird blind spot since both of us have acknowledged that we don't watch a lot of miniseries band of brothers yeah well there you go see that that was easy um do i have a favorite miniseries i don't think i really have a favorite miniseries and i refuse to like pick an anthology series because that shit doesn't count (laughs) um you know what well right now since since ah loophole since it hasn't been confirmed for a second installment, I'm going with Wolf Hall. <laughs> hey, that counts. That counts. I mean, I would also throw some love to you, um, Torchwood Children of Earth, because it's considered a miniseries, but it's also the third season, so I don't know if that which counts. Yeah, as. that's that's a weird thing to, like, yeah. I don't know that there's a good answer for the yeah. categorization for that. But anyways, so th- so that's what, those are my picks. Um, best title sequence that one's tough for me. Uh, I want, yeah. you want to go like Game of Thrones, right? Just the, yeah. the yeah. way. But sure. That one's pretty great. Um, I don't know. What else? Just like there's so many catchy 
theme songs, but that's different than the title sequence. I'll just go Game of Thrones. Yeah. Okay. No, I'm going to go with the title sequence that doesn't tell you the show's title because it doesn't have to, and that's Batman the Animated Series. That title sequence tells you everything you need to know, and then it just shows you Batman at the end, and it doesn't <laughs> tell you the name of the show because <laughs> Batman is the name of the show. That was so, another one that I watched as a kid. Like yeah. Batman, X-Men, and Superman were like my, my three, and Animaniacs, I guess, were my four animated yep. shows that every single every single time. Um, that's a fantastic choice. Uh, next, where are we here? Day 19, best TV show cast. Overall cast. Ever? I don't know. I don't it's know the mean. answer to this. It's yeah, just mean. It's just mean. I mean, like, um, like, cheers. Yeah, um, but I mean, it seems like a cop on answer, maybe because you've given it before, but I think that's a really good pick. Yeah, no, like, that ensemble is just... There's literally nothing really bad with that ensemble, even if I kind of knock the Rebecca years. Like, there's still, like, she's still really good on the show, <laughs> is the thing. It's just not a great character, but she's good on the show. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Cheers. What about you? I really want to go Deadwood. Um, but I also am very aware that the, my first thoughts are... <laughs> super white casts and well that... like cheers isn't a super white cast yeah but but i feel like a i feel like that's a problem with a lot of casts where it's yeah. just the same or like something like the west wing where it's like the same character a million times and the actors are all really really great which is why the show works but are you going with the actors are you going with the characters are you going with the blend so um i'll just yeah. stick with, i'll just stick with deadwood but i mean i'm also kind of thinking like Treme too. Sure. I don't know, because that's another really amazing cast. Um, okay, favorite kiss in all of television. What? I don't have I don't have an answer. Nothing comes to mind for me. No, like I don't I can't think of a kiss that has stuck with me in any way, shape, or form. Um I'm such a shipper, I should have something. Right, and which makes 21 also an issue for me because th these are not things that I've been like necessarily invested in. Um, so I don't have an answer for How this about one. Jim and Pam? Office? Sure, go for that. I, I have, I never watched The Office in any dedicated way, so. Um, I mean, I feel like Farscape, when they kiss as they get disintegrated, is a pretty great one. ha, 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 ha. You know, at that point, they both already died, and then they die again, and they come back to life again. It's a thing they do on that show. Um, yeah. Yeah, any, anything else come to mind for you? No, nothing comes at all to mind for me for that, okay. I'm afraid. Well, favorite ship. I know that you are not the shipper that I am. No, so I'll give you the whole minute. Okay, well. Yeah. You can just list a bunch of ships that you love, because I don't really have any that I'm, like, have ever been deeply invested in. Well... I tend to get invested in in ships, but like I have trouble. I like picking one over another gets really tricky for me. So like I do not have a dog in the Buffy Angel Spike like thing. You know, like I don't care really with with those those kinds of things. So um, I don't know. How about? Oh, best ship. I mean, like, best couple is Coach and Mrs. Coach on Friday Night Lights. But that's not the question, is it? No, that's not the question because they're already together. Um, or is that like a dequalification for a ship? I don't There's know. no tension between them. 
in terms of will they, won't they, which I feel like is sort of, I don't know the ins and outs of this enough to answer this. I don't know why you're deferring to me. Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, I should know. I should have a favorite ship, but I just, I don't really. I mean, like, I rooted pretty hard for Josh and Donna to get together, but now I kind of regret that because the Sorkin has just malazed my, my appreciation for that show. That's yeah. not a verb, but I'm going to make it one. Um, Yeah, I, I, I just don't really... I don't have one that comes to mind over all the others. I don't have like an all time, an all time ship. Eh. Yeah, I don't. Oh, well, that's not a very satisfying favorite series finale day 22. Yeah, no s- simple, easy. And like one of the best representations of a season finale is the angel series finale. It's specifically the last scene, but that mm-hmm. entire, that entire finale is just great. And I yeah. can't say enough good things about it. So what about you? Well, ditto, but I also would say yeah. the Black Adder series finale. They're also, both, they're oh, both God. perfect series finales. Oh, God. Now I'm crying, Kate. Thanks a lot. It's that good, guys. If you haven't seen Black Adder, it's, 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 it is that good. Um, most annoying character, day 23. Um, um, I feel like an annoying character on a not annoying show stands out more. Right. And I, I, I feel like this is also sort of like, for me, a lot of it just boils down to character entropy in a lot of ways. So like, I could just go the entirety of Friends eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but just they all became just massive characters of themselves. But and they all became just really annoying. But I'm sure there's a character I've found really annoying, but I can't think of one probably because I've repressed it. So what about you? Um. Most of the shows that I really, I really connect with don't have a Poochie, you know? Huh. Um, huh. So sure. that makes it, kind of, or, or a character where you're like, oh, it's a them show. It's a them episode, you know? Um, don't, I uh, just, I, I, there is. Worf's awfully close to that for me. Who, what? I'm not going to lie. Worf's awfully close to that. Oh, Worf's awesome. Uh, I guess. Okay, well, then let's go with Wesley, right? Can Wesley be... Wesley is really annoying. It's not Will Wheaton's fault. That's all in the writers, but yeah. It's a little bit Will Wheaton's fault. (laughs) I don't blame kids, (laughs) kid actors for that kind of a thing. Um, Okay, let's go on to best quote. Is this where you're going to throw a rock at it? Yeah, I'm going to throw a rock at it and go like, bye! (laughs) (laughs) I'm not picking. You can't make me. (laughs) Um, well, oh man, quote, as far as quotes that stick in your head where you just like, it brings everything, everything back. I do think that the BoJack Horseman season two, is it season, season one, season two, the one he starts running and they have the whole thing with the running guy about how you have to run every day. It sucks, but it gets easier, but you have to do it every day or else it does. Mm-hmm. That's the trick. Um, I think that is a really beautiful sentiment, wonderfully executed in the show. I mean, I don't know that that really is. It's not as exciting as people who will have said like the, the all F-bomb scene from The Wire, but ah. I'll go with that one. That okay. one's on my mind. Day 25 is just going to make us laugh. A show that you plan on watching old or new. So There's so many. 
Right. I mean, how, let me just show you my Netflix list. <laughs> pick and one, though. Pick one. Pick one. Um, What's on my Netflix list right now that I'm like, I'm going to watch that. And I'm never going to watch. I'm gonna finish watching the 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 roots miniseries, the original one, so that I can finish watching the new one. I've started both, <laughs> but I, I was only allowed to watch as far in the new one as I had seen in the old one because mm-hmm. I want to watch the old one first. So right. I can't watch more of the new until I watch more of the old. So I will finish roots. Okay. Um. You know. I will eventually and hopefully very soon watch Call the Midwife. I really want to. I've heard nothing but great things, but I just haven't made the time to do that. But that's like on the top of my list and I just have not watched it. So, yeah. Okay, fair yeah. enough. How about um, OMG WTF season finale? Now, is this a positive or a negative? I feel like it could go either way. And I also feel like I could just name a bunch of lost season finales <laughs> and I would be too. covered. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to pick a lost season finale and there you go. Cause I, I think that that was like the first time I was ever shouting, Oh my God, what the fuck at my television was lost season finales. And those are the ones that stick with me. Am I allowed to give a series finale? <gasps> mm, I'm going to allow it because you have 30 seconds. Okay. Well, I'm just going to obviously go with how I met your mother and that was some bullshit. Ah, that, that was some that was total some bullshit. and complete bullshit. Um, so in a negative way, that one. Okay, best pilot episode, day 27. Uh, you go first, because I have to think of a pilot episode. Oh, man, there's so many. There's so many terrific pilots. Um, the first episode of, if I had to pick one, oof. My mind goes to the West Wing, but I think the, like I said, the Sorkin has kind of ruined that. Ruined all things. All of that. Um, so I think I'm going to go like the justified pilot is really good. Yeah. Um, but I think I'll, I'll again go with Deadwood. Okay. Uh, oh, oh, I feel like I should have an answer for this and I, I, I don't, which is really annoying. Um, just the awake pilot is really, really good. It is really, really good. Oh, it's so good. Um, so I'm sure there are like better, older pilots. Um, uh, but that awake pilot is really, really good. Um, so I'll go with the awake pilot. Um, Next so you're up. Yeah. So your first TV show obsession. First TV Kate? show obsession. Buffy. Buffy. Okay. Obviously. That, that was easy. That was very um, easy. That was very easy. Um, I'm gonna go with yeah. No, this was the sh- this was a show that I was like obsessively eager to watch. Um, and it's Mobile Suit Gundam Wing. In mm-hmm. hindsight, that show is really bad. It did not survive a <laughs> nostalgia watch. But at the time, Noel was very impressed by its serialization and its uh, then the thoughtful thing on war and relations between citizens. None of that is accurate at in hindsight. <laughs> but, but at the but time at the time Noel was very <laughs> invested in all of that and could not wait for the to get home to watch it the next day uh so that is that choice um <laughs> then next we have current tv show obsession and i feel like for both of us that's steven universe yeah i think that's i think that's really really accurate is is that it's steven universe but right now it's also the good places my tweet um <laughs> two days ago or yeah, two days ago would have been evidenced by the fact that I just thought about it and went, oh, I could rewatch that again. 
sure, I just rewatched it in February. I could rewatch it again. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, it's 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 Steven Universe. We're gonna do a Steven Universe podcast at some point. At some point, uh, yes, we yeah. certainly will. Um, our last one here: saddest character uh, death. You go ahead, because okay. I'm heartless in that I'm not entirely sure I really have one. Oh man! But so I'm many. sure I've got one somewhere. But um, uh, I mean. Sun and Jin had me bawling, so... I mean, Fred! Yeah. Why can't well, I stay? It, it was Fred, but... God, I, I won't lie. But then, like, then Wesley. Wesley hits me a lot harder than Fred does, and I hate saying that, but I just had a larger attachment to Wesley than <laughs> I did to Fred. But, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Fucking Whedon. <laughs> Well, there's and there's there's a lot of other ones that that come to mind, but those are two of the biggest biggest for me. Um, yeah, there've been a, a handful of other recent ones too, but like those reached in and pulled out my heart, just like uh, um, Will and um, some of the other ones last year too. Just like where it's still a little still a little bit of a touchy subject, you know? <laughs> right. Wait. Yeah. Will's not dead. Different Will. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Will and Hannibal are dead because, I, yes, I would love to have a season four, but I we, we've discussed our thoughts about the Hannibal finale at enough length to know um, they what They survived that, that cliff fall. <sighs> Don't even know. Just love that. crime. Well, is that, is that your favorite ship then? That might be my favorite ship, but I don't want that to be my favorite ship because that's just really messed up, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> they, have, they have favorite kiss in here. They do not have favorite orgy because then we'd have to choose between <laughs> Sense8 and Hannibal. And that would just be, that would be challenging. That would be challenging. That would be really challenging. But ha, did you watch the Sense8 Christmas special yet? No, I've been saving it up for right before season two starts, which is soon. That's fair. That's fair. I Anyways, that. we have yeah. gone over our allotted 30 minutes, but I hope this was entertaining, <laughs> listeners. So so we failed at a handful. We, we don't really believe in the concept of guilty pleasures. So we failed at that one. Uh, I failed at ship. Uh, I failed at kiss. And any other, were there any other ones? I failed at a bunch of them, so I'm okay with that. That's okay. It's it's tough because it's like, have if, for some of these, it's definitely, I have one that is the correct answer. But... Yeah. But for a lot of these, it's just like, I need more. It's the old Top Chef challenge where they give them too much leeway and then that's their undoing. I need more constrictions, you know, like more constraints is the correct or time way to say to that. time to prep. Well, yeah, but then I would be obsessing about it all week. Feel free. And you had time to obsess. I did not. I had very important spreadsheeting to do, sir. Very important spreadsheeting and no body shots. Anyways, we need to wrap this up because I'm going to edit this. So, uh, Noel, thank you so much for indulging me with our 30-day challenge. Listeners, let us know your picks for the 30-day challenge. Or if you've been doing it on Twitter, um, send us a link to your to your tweet storm with that because um, we, would, we would like to see what other people have to say. Um, and if you have recommendations for us that you think, like, best quote or some of these other ones that we didn't really have a good answer for. Uh, I, I would like to be swayed. I would like to have a stronger answer. I'd be like, 
Would I have liked to put Doctor Who as my favorite male character? Yes, but is he male? I don't know. And I can't good conscience put the Doctor as my favorite male character when part of it has been written by Stephen Moffat horribly. So, you know, like, there's, there's complicated things. I would like to be swayed by listeners. Do you have particular ones you want people to reach out about, Noel? Uh, uh, someone tell me what my favorite ship should be that isn't really abusive please (laughs) okay yeah that isn't a destructive really unhealthy terrible shouldn't be reinforced kind of thing yeah it's a good answer that's a good that's a good that's a good way to to go with that so on that thought thank you listeners for sticking with us for another marathon it's been a while since we had a marathon this is a marathon episode of the televerse and i'm so tired and hungry and i'm sure you are too yeah it's too late for me to eat, so this is going to be a fun tonight. <laughs> Go team! Go team! Yeah. Uh, thank you, Noel, as ever, and we'll be back next week with another episode of The Televerse. <laughs>